0: Tune into the Neil Prendeville show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red FM. As more and more countries open their borders, the Mirror this morning is talking about one of Europe's most popular travel destinations removing A key COVID rule for Irish tourists. Uh, They've dropped the requirement for a negative COVID test to gain entry to Portugal. So that's great news. And at the same time, they talk about the the parades and the pints. We'll be back in five weeks. The St. Patrick's Day Festival. Uh, And it should be big numbers like 2019, perhaps. And also the fact that we've got an added one-off bank holiday added on on March 18th for good measure. So that's all great news. Bit of good news as well on side for Cork City Council because they have successfully now uh, broke, well, I suppose they, they will break ground and put social housing on the site, it's my understanding of it, the compulsory acquisition of four prominent buildings on the North Main Street. So 62, 63, 64 and 65 North Main Street under the derelict site act. So that's the story with a photograph uh, making the front page of the this morning's Echo. And other things that, well... Convention Centre, Conference Centre, Concert Centre, still hasn't broke ground. But they're throwing more money at it because of inflation. Now, Owen English and uh, Daniel McConnell in the Examiner this morning report that the Cabinet will sign off and also apparently provide us with a completion date. Sometime in 2024, now they're saying for the long-awaited Cork Event Centre, and they've said they're going to throw another seven million to cover inflation and COVID delays. So the date keeps get putting gets pushed back and back and back, and at the same time, the costs keep going up and up and up. But we'll have to see if it is delivered. So let's get a date first, or at least a month in 2024, and see where we go. Uh, the uh, trial into the death of the slain Cork chef Timmy Harahan which is ongoing at the moment uh, down east, um, uh, makes the papers again today. Just a, an update on that. Uh, Kathleen O'Brien uh, was giving evidence yesterday where she said she threw herself over Timmy trying to protect him from the vicious attack uh, upon him at the tented village off the Mardock Walk where they were both living at the time of his death in October of 2019. And she said that Timmy was killed in cold blood for no other reason than the fact that he was gay, said the key witness yesterday. There's a lot of court activity, actually, over the past couple of days. Like the story in the echo of a woman who's gone on trial by judge and jury uh, with the allegation of carrying out a sexual assault on her. In her early teens, on her eight-year-old cousin, and I don't know whether you saw if you saw uh, Prime Time Investigates last night on domestic violence, coercive control, and abuse. Um, I may well return to that later on this morning. It was very, very, very difficult. Watch. Um, a man has been granted bail after he was charged with 172 counts of rape and sexual assault against his wife and daughter in County Cork, and then a woman who was punched in the face. By a 39-year-old man, this is an unprovoked, completely unprovoked assault. Um, In the context of a verbal argument during a brief relationship, as was described in court, but nonetheless punched in the face by the uh, 39-year-old, the judge imposed a two-year suspended sentence uh, on condition that the accused man would continue with counselling for his addictions and pay two grand to the victim on top of the six grand he's already paid her to date. But the vicious attack on Tom Nyland makes the front and inside pages of many papers, including The Star. Um, Apparently, uh, his last words before he went into a coma and is now critical in hospital, his last words apparently were, how am I ever going to go home? Then he went into a critical condition and they don't know whether he's going to survive. Uh, Poor old Tom, the 73-year-old, brutally attacked in his home in County Sligo. Uh, I think one of the papers this morning said... Uh, for 600 euro and then as i was mentioning um primetime investigates last night both the male and indeed the son pick up on some of the uh, stories or the um you know the awful case histories of some of the women who featured in the show last night one is the ex-partner of a former fair city actor uh, who revealed details of the horror uh, that he inflicted upon her i mean he tried to strangle her. For what she felt like was an eternity. I remember watching it last night. She said, The room started spinning and the walls started closing in on me. Then there's another story that uh, made the show last night of a woman who was stabbed, burned, beaten by her ex partner, hit with a wheel brace, stabbed with a biro, slashed with a Stanley knife, and burnt with cigarettes. I mean, it's awful. Um, And apparently through COVID, the amount of calls to uh, refuge centers and indeed, um, you know, women's health uh, aid organizations went through the roof by all accounts. Um, I'll come back to that. Other things that have gone through the roof, of course, is the cost of um, filling your car with petrol. It's now at a 30 year high, a 30 year high. But um, does it, would it surprise you to know that BP have seen their profits rage ahead? To the end of 2021, 12.8 billion dollars apparently, um, and that's well up year on year. So how can that be? This is a week after Shell um, released their own gushing annual profits of 17 billion. So how is it that people are paying so much more for fuel? When Shell have posted profits for last year of 17 billion and BP have posted profits for last year of just under 13 billion. Meanwhile, families are spending less on shopping. Uh, The front of the mail says that families are also ditching branded goods and spending less to counter soaring inflation and they're looking at the cheaper options now for everything and actually the mail this morning compares the branded and the unbranded like for instance your Kerrygold butter at €2.09 against the Tesco butter at one forty nine. Think about what you'd be inclined to go for. Papers also and bear in mind as well Uh, that an awful lot of people are just in the cold or they're limiting the amount of times that their boiler's on and off. And that's why this initiative on trying to get at least half a million homes to a B2 rate, hope you can follow that. There's a Burr rating put on every single home in Ireland. It can be as high as a, uh, you know, a, a, a triple A star, you know, but and down to... I don't know, certainly down to a D or perhaps an E for the very, very old homes. But the idea is to try and get as many homes up to a B2 rate, which would be pretty good. And there's going to be grants available to that um, in the not too distant future for different amounts of money. twenty five grand to individual homes to help retrofit, to make your house warmer. But a lot more than that then, and in some cases, people, they say, can even get heat pumps. So I'm going to hold on to that story and maybe get some professional advice on it. In the next couple of days and at least the UK are trying to make a difference in the Times UK this morning they're saying that pornographers face multi-million pound fines if they can be found that would be if they don't have proper age verification on their websites they have to be able to prove uh, that people who are watching and are on their websites actually are over 18. Um, And that will be a law. Talking about the law, our own law are getting uh, new uniforms for the third time now in 100 years. I like them, I have to say. I mean, they're they're really with it. Uh, So a brand new uniform will be delivered to 13,000 members of the force. Don't know, I imagine across this week. And uh, they look pretty cool. Uh, Some of the shirts are really funky because they're they're short leaved, short sleeved um, uh, up to now, but I think they're probably going to change everything, including a lot of the designs and the colours. I wouldn't be the greatest in fashion, but they look good to me. And to be honest with you, they don't look all that far off the Star Trek uniform. <laughs> Do I sound crazy? Saying that? Don't sound. Don't seem all that far off. You look at the photographs of uh, Captain Kirk and Spock and the gang. Um, listen. There's a story, God almighty, if this happened to you, would you ever recover, recover a couple who were doing the lotto for years, week after week after week, the same numbers. You know where this story is going. It's out of Wexford where Terry and his fiance Samantha, stopped doing the lotto six weeks before their regular numbers came up. Oh my God. And six weeks later... They missed out on winning the four point three million euro jackpot. Would you ever get out of bed after that? Oh, and talking about getting out of bed, this is funny, but it 's not so funny when you actually drill into the story. They say if you can yeah you know if you want to lose an extra bit of weight, stay in bed for another hour Now that sounds very funny if you If you can get to bed an hour or so earlier than usual. You could save yourself the equivalent of three biscuits worth of calories, apparently. Or if you stay in bed an hour longer in the morning, again, 270 fewer calories. If you stay in bed two hours and three hours, you could be up to a thousand calories less. But unfortunately, the real story behind that for me is that people do that to save on energy costs. Text 868 The Neil Prendiville Show. Okay, breaking news, the story this morning, just heard it on the, the radio news. And Paul Bernes across its Southern Correspondent with Virgin Media News. This is a suspected attack on a teenage girl in Fromoy. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. When did this happen?
1: Uh, we're talking about 20 past one yesterday afternoon, um, broad daylight, uh, young girls, um, young teenage girl walking alone. And i just give you an idea of where we're talking about. If you're coming into Fomoy from the Cork side, you come to a crossroads, there's a bar there called the Wagon Wheel. And you just passed the Wagon Wheel, turn right and you're into Chapel Square and um it's a very very quiet area there's a the church directly in front of you in chapel square um houses both left and right in the square lots of cars parked up um but my understanding is that this young girl was walking along chapel square when she was set upon and and attacked allegedly two men was it Yes, my understanding was that there was two people involved, um, even though that they arrested one man who's thought to be in his 30s, and two teens who were in the area at the time heard the girl shouting out for help, and my understanding is that they actually knew the, the, the victim in the alleged attack. They went to intervene and um, you know try to stop the man from allegedly attacking her, and then one of them suffered uh, injuries to the head. I I understand that he may have been actually hit with a bottle and he was taken to hospital and received a number of stitches. The young lady that um, alleged attacker then fled the scene. The young lady was treated at the scene and then removed to hospital as well for an examination.
0: Now this morning of course Gardaí will be looking for the public's help in this matter but also perhaps at uh, CCTV
1: Yes, last night detectives were scouring the area and harvesting CCTV from shops, from pubs, from houses in the area. And as they always say, just because somebody is in custody, that doesn't mean the case is solved. They will be appealing to anyone who may have seen anything unusual in the area, say between um, half past 12 and half past one yesterday afternoon. People who may have been travelling in and out of the Formoy area. um, Again, the same time who may have a dash cam, who may have seen something on the Cam. Remember, this is an extremely busy area in one sense because there are three schools nearby. Um, you're 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 talking just um, a five minute walk into less maybe into town itself. Three to five minutes walk into the town, so it's a very very busy area. Lots of cars passing by. Chapel Squares, I said, is quiet. A lot of cars do park up here, but once they park up, the people leave.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you are saying that a man has been arrested, though. Yeah.
1: A man in his 30s was arrested um yesterday evening after guarding um secured CCTV footage I think they were able to identify a person of interest Uh, they moved in last night picked up that person and took him to from Oigar the station where he's been quizzed now he can be held for 24 hours Uh, he is entitled to rest periods if he wants to rest then the clock is stopped once he wakes up and goes for questioning the clock starts ticking again but overall they can hold him for 24 hours and quiz him in relation to the alleged incident Okay.
0: Okay. so you're saying that the girl who was attacked um do you think didn't sustain any injuries but one of the te- teenagers who went to help her did
1: yeah, sti- needed stitches, um, I, I, I think I, I,
0: in hospital is it
1: stitches stitches to the forehead, I understand um somebody suggested that he may have been hit with a bottle um as he went to intervene, but um look, I suppose thankfully, there was people in the area at the time, and you know I know this young lady is extremely traumatized, as you can just imagine you know you're walking away, minding your own business, and then all of a sudden you're allegedly tacked um. These What's attacks are all
0: happening in the middle of the day, and um, that's not something we were reporting very much in the past. I have to say.
1: Yeah, it's um, you mm-hmm. know, it just goes to show the, the the day we're living in. I think, really, you know.
0: Okay, Paul. Thank you for that. Much obliged, uh, Guardian investigating, you. asking the public for their help in that regard. From OI O two five eight two one double O or any Garda station. Paul Burns, so the correspondent uh, with uh, Virgin Media News. They're not the kind of stories you want to be reporting at all. But even worse, it's the amount of them that we seem to be reporting these days. Back after the break,
2: pick it up then. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM.
0: Ah yes, from yesterday's programme, chatting with uh, Katrina from Penny Dinners and the fact that they're providing um, communion dresses now for young girls and families that just can't afford them. People can't put bread and butter on the table, yet we have guys terrorising people to pay a television licence. The inspectors and the government should be ashamed of themselves, says, to, says Tony. Katrina and all those in Penny Dinners are living saints, it is so, so sad what is happening. Our three from Cork and Government should speak to her, says Shiona. And more, what a great woman Katrina Toomey is. Neil, apparently you should ask, I didn't see this till I was finished chatting with Katrina, but apparently ask Katrina the story behind Everton. At the televised game from Goodison Park at the weekend, the Penny Dinners logo was draped behind the gold. <laughs> I love it. Thanks for that, Frank. Uh, There's no poverty in Ireland. There are grants for everything now, nowadays. Look at the third world. They have poverty. It's only first world problems we have here rather unkind really walk in my shoes as the fellow says Uh, are penny dinners looking for volunteers I would love to help if so yes they are looking for volunteers and they would love to see you just call in uh, to Hanover Street and offer your services Neil for God's sake when is this bull ever going to stop with you there's no such thing as struggling families anymore they will try and paint a picture that they are struggling but the state provides a one-parent family with €300 Euro a week. These parents, I often see, have brand new smartphones and can buy plenty of alcohol at the weekends for themselves. They're also running in and out of the bookies and the casinos. So come on, that's the reality out there. Please stop these bull stories. I'm sick of listening to on your show when all they have to do is manage their money better. Now, there's a fountain of information in that there text, isn't there? Let, let's say, for instance, that there are people uh, who have um, uh, brand new smartphones and buy plenty of alcohol at the weekend. We know of them. Let's say that there are people running in and out of the bookies and the casinos because we know of those stories too. Let's say that all of that is being provided by uh, social welfare and state assistance or disability, right? Let's say that that exists. Okay, drill into that. right? Do something about that. But for God's sake, when you send a text like that, Don't throw everybody into that category because it's just not fair, particularly for people who are struggling. We have the poor, we have the new poor, we have all sorts of issues. When I say new poor, I don't mean that in a disparaging way. These are people who would have been managing, surviving, head above water, say a couple of years ago, and now can't. These would be people who go out to work every morning. Uh, for maybe limited salaries, have children that they love, a roof over their heads, they may have mortgages, they may be renting. They are not the kind of people you are you are describing in your very, very broad sweep of a text there. I appreciate that there are people like that. In fact, I'll come back to it with some more texts and emails of cases of it if you wish, but not everybody. Um, so anyway, listen, thank you all the same for the text. I don't agree. Uh, I just don't. And I, I hope that other people out there uh, would be like-minded to myself anybody see um the uh, primetime Investigates show last night? Uh, for me, it was a very, very difficult watch. One part of it actually spoke with the mum of a girl who was abused for many years, coercively controlled, beaten, tortured, bullied, name called uh, some of the girls in the sh- in the show last night got awful beatings while pregnant at the hand of the hand of their partner and um, the hands and legs of their partner one or two of the girls that featured actually lost the babies in the womb. There was a mother who broke my heart because she was making the point that your baby's always your baby, even if your daughter's 25, 26, 27, 28 years old. And she as a mother felt so helpless, you know, um, because she just... Couldn't help her. Now, never mind what was going on during the assaults and the years of torment, she was saying on the show, perhaps you saw it, she was saying that her daughter is a completely changed person and she doesn't know whether she'll ever bounce back from it. It was awfully sad, and I just kept on asking the question as to and actually to be honest with you, some of the show last night spoke to men who also were also were victims of bullying, coercive control, and violent rage. But the vast majority of them were women and you've got to wonder why do people do that I mean why like what kind of a psycho you know how, how is somebody born and develops that kind of mind personality and brain pattern June good morning good morning Neil. and while I ask that question I imagine you ask it all the time from both sides of you like because you're a survivor of domestic violence and now spend most of your waking hours helping others in similar circumstances isn't that right
3: Yeah, that's right.
4: The one question that when I left, I asked, actually, um, when I was in therapy after it, you know, why did he do this? What was in him that made him do this to me? Was I wrong? You know, you have so many questions going through your head to try and understand how somebody can inflict that kind of pain and torture on you. And I hear women that come in to us here in Yana. And ask the same questions. Why do they do it? You know, it's trying to figure it out in their heads as to why someone can be that cruel. And
0: it's so coercive that they end up at blaming themselves. If I had done things differently, or that was my fault, because he and sometimes she has literally got into their head and rewired them to think that way.
4: Yeah, yeah, and it starts from the minute they meet. Um, they meet them, you know. So, these men are very, very clever in what they do. They're very calculated. They know exactly what they're doing. It's not a mistake. It's not something that just, you know, flew off the handle. It it all happened in an instant. These men are very, very calculated in what they do. So, when they meet somebody, they're taking every ounce of information that individual is saying and they're storing it. And they know exactly when to use it um, to be able to coerce the woman, to get the woman to be able to do what they want her to do, and of course, you know, to take away her self-esteem, her confidence, they use it as a weapon against the woman.
0: I come to the I come to the court aspect of this in a, in a few minutes' time, but you you did see last night, and you saw the story, for instance, of Vanessa Begley um who uh, was stabbed, burned, beaten. At one stage, there was a wheel brace used. Uh, she was uh, slashed in the face with a with a Stanley blade, and her arms were covered in, in, in cigarette burns. Um, that th- the physical abuse to her is very upsetting to hear and watch. But I I felt awfully sad for her with regards to the name calling, the names that he called her. You know, it was it was yeah. just so like it's it's very planned, isn't it? It's it's very meticulous. It's 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 constant torture. Yeah.
4: It, it, it really is, and unless you 're in it it 's really hard to understand what these women are actually put through i mean they 're physically they 're emotionally they 're sexually violated and abused every day. this abuse doesn 't you know just happen once in a while it 's every minute of every day, yeah and, and the, they will use anything at their disposal to be able to control that woman
0: and in in the case of of Vanessa. Uh, who was very brave, actually, to go on camera. She didn't have her face distorted. She didn't have her voice distorted. Others were too afraid to be seen or identified. But they still told this story, but the voice was changed. But he got got four years with 18 months suspended. And in the case, then, of Sarah Behan, whose ex-partner was a former Fair City actor, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but the court case was put back and delayed and deferred 24 times.
4: Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, added yeah. torture and hell to go through waiting for a court appearance.
4: Yeah. And, and we would see, you know, not to that extent, but certainly we would see cases that have been put off and put off um, and deferred. And that's because they're able to go in and do that. Um, and like, you know, you've also to remember, not only has, has a woman left that situation and they're in absolute fear um, you know, I've sat with women who who are physically shaking, uncontrollably, like you've no idea of, of what these women go through and the devastating impact it actually has on them physically and mentally. But they're also then going into a system that they've never been involved in, they've never spoken to a guard in their life. They've never, you know, gone into a courtroom or met a judge. And... We just see these men go in and being able to use the court system, the family law system. um, or or women are put up there. Yes, that's interesting you say that because a
0: lot of the time the women are giving evidence against their violent partner. But the violent partner, and I'll take legal advice on this in a minute, but the violent partner is not obliged to say anything.
4: Well, you know, it's like you have to go in and you have to plead your case. But they they seem to... um, you know, they they will be asked questions by the judge, um, but not not a whole file. So it's usually left to the woman to go in, and you know she has to explain to the judge as to why she feels she needs a safety order. She might have obtained a protection order. It's a very difficult process, and. You know, and then they're subjected to being interrogated by solicitors and stuff like that. I know it's their job to go in and represent, but what women um, and victims of domestic violence and sexual violence have to go through in the court system is nothing short of of shocking, really.
0: And June, do you mind me asking, it's 17 years since you fled your violent ex-partner, isn't it?
4: Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And had yeah, that been, had it, so, like, it just came to a head where you just literally packed bags and fled?
4: It amounted to, like, there was a lot of physical violence, a huge control and coercive control, although we didn't call it coercive control back then, but there was massive control um, in it and genuine fear. Um, he He was a very violent man. And, you know, the final incident um and and you can stop me if it's if it's too early but final incident and um, I thought he was going to kill me and I thought you know he was he was strangling me and I could feel like the whole room going white and I thought this is it he's he, he's actually going to kill me now and um, and then he dug his his chin into my forehead and because it was morning there was stubble on his chin and i remember he peeled the skin off my forehead and i just thought i'm going to die now with this you know and and first a second i was thinking i'm okay with that because it will just finish this you know i'll be out of it i
0: know but you had a child um, didn't you
4: yeah yeah i just thought you know i i can't take this anymore you know um but that was it, as soon as he, he he had grabbed me, he had jumped off me, and I thought, that's it, we, we, we need to get out of here, we need to go. Where did you go? Um, well, it took three months of planning, um, with a domestic violence service, actually in the city, and um, they were absolutely amazing, um, and we went to a refuge in Clare, and um, I lived there for about four months, till I felt strong enough to go out, and try and locate a new place to live. Yeah, So you left with life. literally
0: a bag of clothes, box of toys for your four-year-old four and went to the refuge to stay there for a month?
4: Yeah, that's exactly what we left with. And I was quite happy to walk away from everything so long as we were safe.
0: And what about family you know. and friends? Were they aware that you had to flee?
4: And they, did, they did at that stage, Neil, because like, I would have hidden an awful lot from people. Um, I would have... Put the bright side out and pretend that nothing was wrong. But a lot of people saw a lot of things that I didn't think they picked up on. Um, but
0: were they silent know, about it?
4: They, it? It was kind of awkward for them because they didn't know how to approach it. Um, you know, and I never thought I'd be in that situation myself. I, I was a very strong person. I thought, you know, if a man ever hit me, that'd be it. I'd be gone. But you know, you 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 get worn down. You get into a situation where, you know, you kind of you don't know who you are anymore. You don't know what you are.
0: You get you worn ride. down. You Even the strongest can get. Yeah,
4: yeah,
2: I
0: know. Yeah, and and yeah. you you left your home. Um, did 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 it end up in court? Did you try and get back into the home? To try and get him well, out, barring order, anything like that.
4: We lived. Um, well, I had lived in a council house and um, he wasn't on it um, but I I had obtained a barring order and a safety order but I knew that that wouldn't protect us because he had no regard for the law and um, you know he he had threatened on many occasions to kill me he had threatened to take my son off me and that he would have me buried and no one would find me And you know he had a gun to back of my head one evening A gun? He would do yeah, yeah, he would do stuff like that and um, you know, I believed that he was capable of carrying out that threat
0: Did the um, judge hear all of those threats? Yeah And what was the, yeah. what was the upshot of all of that?
4: Well, you know, I got, I got my barring order and I got my safety order and the judge said, you know, this isn't going to protect you and I said, I know your honour and I left for the refuge the following day. Okay, okay. Um,
0: so no, your case, and you know, all of you, what you've described, that didn't result in a criminal prosecution?
4: No, okay. no, I never brought it forward. I just wanted to get away at the time, you know. Okay. And, like, that's quite a unique case where the danger element was quite high. Yes. Um, you know, but safety orders and barring orders do work. Um, you know, I mean, at the... At the moment, it's, it's the only protection that we have. Really. Yes, but I
0: noticed watching the show last night a couple of things. One is the perfect storm that COVID created yeah. for domestic abuse, violent people. And secondly, also the fact that um, you know, when, you, when, you, when you look at uh, the, the, the court system and the last year, apparently there was a big increase in the amount of people who broke barring orders, breached them.
4: Yeah, because you're dealing with, with individuals who, um, you know, they just see it as a piece of paper. They don't take it seriously enough. But then we need to see our courts take it seriously enough, you know. Um, I've come across cases that, that you know, have worked out very well in court, and I have come across a lot of cases where, you know, mm-hmm. it hasn't. And, yeah. you know, we just need... To see it taken more seriously in court. Yes. And what it's about help? Heavier sentencing.
0: Yeah. What about help, though, for women and children? And, and sometimes men, because men did feature in the show as well. Um, but because they noticed in the Midlands, for instance, it was saying that there's three or four counties in the Midlands that don't have any refuge for women. Like we have Coon Lee and we have Edel House They have nothing like that in the Midlands at all. And a lot of them last night on the show were actually full and were saying that they're turning away eight women, sometimes women and children, eight every day in ireland
4: yeah well you know we don't have any refuge in the county neil you know and you look at the the how big cork county is and you know we take care of north and east cork and then you have the west cork women's domestic violence project taking care of things way down there you know we've no refuge that we can put women who are in a very dangerous situation. Well, where did they go? They
0: One or two of the women last night were actually staying yeah. in the in the day room, you know, with with tables and chairs yeah. and coffee machines. That's where they were sleeping down.
4: Yeah, and and this is a real issue that we're having at the moment. Okay. You know, because you know they have to go into the city, but that refuge is is for the city and the county. And God loves them. There's only so much they can do. They're doing mm. the best they can do. We, you know, it's it's always going to come down to money. We need more funding. We need a, you know, a, a dedicated, um, I would say department to be able to deal with all the complex issues that need to be put in place to be able to support victim's optimist I'd say, you need, I'd say what's needed a is, is
0: jo- yeah, male and female I'd say what's needed really is joined up thinking and unity between all of the different government departments who can help so that they're all working together yeah. not all in isolation here and there hither yeah. and thither. yeah do you mind me asking when you met him what kind of a person was he
4: oh sure Look you know, I thought he was the best looking person in town, and um, he was extremely good looking very, very charming. I had women and mothers telling me I was lucky, and he was you know if my daughter brought home someone like that, and um, I'd be delighted, and I'm thinking in my own head little do you know,
5: yeah,
4: and um, you know he he was exceptionally charming, he' yeah. would charm anyone and um, but he was able to. He was like a comedian. He could, he could take on people's personalities. He would, he would change with whatever group he was involved in. Yes. He would take on their likes, their dislikes. Very disturbed individual, you know?
0: And what advice would you give to somebody who literally is going through hell at the moment, right now? And it's repeated over and over again. Some of the women went back time after time after time. But what advice would you give?
4: Reach out. You know, there's there's a lot of our services around the country now pick up that phone. We're not there to judge. We're there to support and to help. And that's what we'll do. And, um, you know, and just to say as well, Neil, you know, we've gotten the most amazing support from the all guards, Middleton guards. They've been uh, exceptional.
0: Call um, the guards. Send that, call here. the guards.
4: Call the guards. Reach out. Get help. You know, Talk to a a local domestic violence service like ourselves or the West Cork women or, you know, the the services in in the city. And, you know, just there is help there. We can support women. We can help them to leave.
0: And it's not your fault.
4: They're not alone.
0: It's not your fault. June, Absolutely thank yes. you so much for taking the call. I really do appreciate no, it. Not, not the, the easiest topic in the world, but um, good luck. Um, and I hope you have much success going forward with Jana and uh, all of the women, children, and indeed men um, who need your services. Thanks for taking the call. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks Here's June, take care. Thanks. Text 0868 Back after the break.
2: neil has got a new number. Call him now on <laughs> 0818 Text oh eight six yourself. Text
0: 86 106 I was looking at uh, emergency numbers earlier this morning. Say, for instance, for Edel House, which is 427 4240, 427 4240 And that's the um, um, Edel House provides emergency accommodation for women and children who are homeless or have to flee violence and coercive control. They can accommodate 10 families or 18 single women. When they're full, they're full. And that certainly was the case with a lot of the refuge centers across the country. And last night's television program, Vicky Buckley, some Buckley Law solicitors on the mail. Vicky, good morning.
6: Hi, Neil. How are you doing?
0: Good. Are you on a speakerphone there, Vicky?
6: Sorry, I was just on the other end. Not yeah. about bother. It. Listen, yes. did
0: you watch that uh, program, Primetime Investigates, last night?
6: I did, I did. I actually made kind of a conscious effort to watch it, to be honest.
0: It was a hard hard watch, but you you deal with cases of domestic violence all of the time. Um, Were you shocked by the severity of the stories?
6: Not really, unfortunately. It's kind of what we see all the time um, on a day-to-day inside in the courthouse. Um, So I I suppose the main thing for me was that I was really glad that it was, again, being highlighted. You know, I, I suppose the phrase, let's have the conversation... Is, is now being used quite often. Um, and I think that this was really, really important.
0: Yeah, but why then were we watching stuff with regards to uh, no jail sentence, suspended jail sentences, time off jail sentences, uh, and also one girl who had to go to court 24 times to have it cancelled, put back, mm. deferred. Every single time the defence said that they weren't ready. I mean, okay.
2: So, how can the yeah, how
0: can the so, legal system be working when we see things like that?
6: Yeah. So, I suppose. Look, I'm only a tiny cog in the legal system, but this is the area where I work in predominantly. Um, and w- with regards to, to to break it down, I suppose with that that girl that had to go in that amount of times, like that is an inordinate amount of times, and that would be the exception as opposed yeah. to you know what generally happens. Um, I suppose, and I'm not taking from the strength of these men and women that actually do go in and have the strength to bring something like this to the courts. The court and the judge have to balance what's before them. yeah. And it it is an adversarial system in its most basic in that everybody has the right to innocence until proven guilty. Yeah, and that's the the common law jurisdiction that we actually live in. So I suppose what that's doing is that system, whilst there's flaws in it, right, and I suppose we could be discussing that all day long, but it it does protect a person until the evidence is there sufficiently to prove them guilty of the offence that they're there. And look, in the majority of domestic violence cases, I have no doubt, absolutely no doubt about it, that the facts are what they are. Yeah, so when the facts were heard in
0: one of the cases last night, she said, I thought he'd go away for a year, perhaps two at least, uh, for all the things he has done. But he got one month, that was it, a suspended sentence, one month.
6: Yeah. Look, the sentencing the sentencing issues is, is something that's discussed all of the time, um, and I, you know, I think that the parameters are, are there. I do think that the judges are now definitely changing and recognising the impact of domestic violence in that perhaps before it wasn't correlated to the same level as an assault case. You know, whereas now it's it's it certainly is is being viewed. And I, I how could it a judge
0: see times. it as, a, as an assault case, an unprovoked attack on the street? How could they see domestic violence as being sentenceable in the same way when it, when it, could, be, it could be as a result of years of domestic violence, years of coercive control, and yes. indeed in some of the cases that we saw last night, femicide, a guy stabbed his wife yes. and she died.
6: Yes, Yeah. And listen, the amount of serious violence that is being heard in the court, and I would say particularly in the past 18 months maybe be fuelled by, by the lockdown um, in fact I've no doubt it probably was the level of violence it's, it's, it's shocking it's absolutely shocking what, what we're actually hearing in the courts as to what's going on um, so I think th- things like and June was saying that there now beforehand and I've, I've sat in many for many hours in courts with June um, in, in bringing cases forward and she's exceptional and the girls that she works with are exceptional in what they do Um but it's it's words like she said, course of control wasn't considered. You know what I mean? That's now a fact, and that's now a criminal offence in this jurisdiction.
0: That's somebody so, who has no power over their own money, for instance. Um, um, and money
6: what- would be a very good example. But it's it's the it's the non-violent abuse. It's you know the threatening with no violence. It's the intimidation. It's you know calculated fear. Um, you know you could start at the very kind of you know light end of it being jiby put downs, but then it gets to where you're going. You know what time are you back at? Who are you with? It's profound control without the added horror of actual physical violence. That's right. There was one girl who
0: went through pure hell, but she did mention one aspect of it, and that was that even if she she stopped going out with her friends, her girlfriends and girls' nights out, because he would turn up
6: that very much resonated actually because I've spent a lot of time focusing on course control here and internationally um, just to see, you know, what, what what the approach is and how things are going and, and the acceptability of it, you know. Um, because, I you know, I mean, if you, if you go back 20, 25 years, sure, if somebody went out and, and your man arrived in this, isn't that lovely? You know what I mean? you He's out now just to say hello or whatever it is. Never for a second thought would, would anyone have said that's a bit odd, it's a bit yeah. creepy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, a bit yeah, yeah. So I think society has moved forward in that respect in accepting coercive control, and particularly now that it is a criminal offence and there has been criminal convictions. I can't remember the sentence off the top of my head, but it certainly was more than a month anyway. It was quite a significant sentence for, for being found guilty of
0: do you Do you ever have cases involving uh, men who've been victims of domestic abuse?
6: I do. I do, and I do see, um, and we, de- we definitely see an increase in it. And I think that is in no end um, with regards to the recognition of coercive control. Because, like I suppose more simply put, right, physical violence, horrific and absolutely unacceptable. There is a strength factor in, in that, you know what I mean, where women are generally smaller and nicer and less stronger than men. But emotions have no weight and have no height, So you can crush somebody emotionally no matter what size or you know, man, woman, whatever you are, yeah. so th- I do think it's the emotional and financial abuse um, that men are suffering. Um, I, I see a lot of uh, point scoring on the basis of where parties have separated, and the the you know the kids are probably being used as pawns, and that is a power struggle as well. You know, so it's that that is yeah, no, I'm not and that's not safe. Women there isn't physical violence against men certainly is but I do think the recognition of other forms of domestic abuse and particularly in mainstream media and stuff has has definitely given men the courage to say no I'm not no this is wrong you know what I mean this is wrong and that's across the board now that's that's that's, that's but if you watch last night's
0: television program it doesn't really encourage people to come forward in the sense that when they do go to court one of them um Vanessa Begley said that in court she relived the she relived the entire, entire ordeal all over again. Like women and men would have seen that last night. They're saying, She was stabbed, burned and beaten. I'm not gonna go through that in court.
6: You know? No, and this is this is the most important part of of any if anyone is, is, is from a solicitor's point of view, right? Because I suppose I'm I'm oh gosh, I'm a million miles away from the, the courage and, and strength of people that are actually living it and are thinking I'm I'm not doing this anymore. We, we do have to go through it, okay? In family law court, it is just the judge and the person who's looking for the protection order, right, to start with. When you get a protection order, the respondent then, that being the abuser, has the right to present for the protection or for the safety order for the barring order. So they have the right to show up. And you do have to give your evidence um, as to, you know, why the court should grant this. Now again, it's awful. It is awful. I see it, uh, myself and a lot of my colleagues would try and resolve this before we go into the courtroom so that the person wouldn't have to go through the ordeal yeah, of yeah. actually having to do that and and, and that happens. Could a statement
0: not of- would a statement not suffice? Would would even no, a reco- I- would a recorded video not be better?
6: Oh yeah, and that's used as evidence, absolutely. Um, and I say that lightly knows if there's rules on that but with regards to the evidence. But I suppose, again, it's the same as the criminal system, right? The person has to have the right to cross-examine the evidence because, Neil, unfortunately, there are people that will bring it in and use it to their advantage, that they'll bring in an application for a safety order for domestic violence. They'll make false claims, is it? Well, not false claims, but maybe exaggerated. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not, I'm not undermining anyone because whatever situation you're in is subjective to your own situation. Yes. So the court again has to hear both sides. That's why we have, I suppose, one barrister described at one time that lady with the scales that we just nonchalantly kind of look at on the top of the, the courthouse all over the place. That, that's where it is. That's the system. And it has to be balanced, and the judge has to hear both sides in order to grant that order. Because if you're granting a barring order, like you're, you're tipping into somebody's, um, I don't sound very liar, you know, and like, but you're tipping into somebody's constitutional right to have a home, and you're saying you're out of your home by reason of what you've done. You know what I mean? So they they have to hear, they have to hear both sides of it. But I know from my own experience, my own colleagues that I work with day in and day out, there is a massive awareness of the ordeal. That people are but, going to, but
0: why then is the cross-examination by the defence um, of the victim um, so yes. adversarial and so tough?
6: Um,
0: I, when I, the, when well, the evidence would be overwhelming.
6: Well, and where the, ele- where the evidence is overwhelming, what I will say is I have heard and I have seen judges say, that's enough, I've heard enough. They will shout... The Thank doctor. God for that. So, yes. Oh, no, they will. They, they certainly will. And particularly now that the domestic violence... Like, if you, if you get a family law court order in domestic violence and you break that, right, if there's a breach of that, that's a criminal offence then. You're gone from family law. You're gone from the, you know, we'll start it out outside before we go in. That's it. You're arrested. Once the complaint is made, there's a pro policy with St. to Chicago. They've done huge work on it. And they will arrest... Um, the person immediately and questioned with regards to the alleged breach of it. that person. Then that person then is held in custody Neil until the next sitting of court, and then they're brought in. So, it I mean it's progressed massively in that in that regard, and I do think people should know that that if you have a family law order and it's broken, and you ring nine 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 or you ring your local guard station or whatever it is, that person will be arrested. Because there is a
0: family law order, they are they are they have huge. Yes, but where they I, I appreciate that. But watching it last night, where they where they flee the house. Like uh, there was a woman last night who uh, one of the women working with the Kerry refuge said we had women ringing in the middle of the night, whispering at the end of the phone. We're getting yes. four times the amount of calls that we did before COVID, yes. um, and they've nowhere to put them. I mean, I mean, we know of the medical implications of COVID with regards to delayed uh, assessment and delayed treatment, surgery, and chemo and issues. But has this been the perfect storm as well for domestic violence?
6: I would say 100%. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm knocking around the courts now a long time. And I would say that the level of violence has intensified no end. And the amount of applications has, has increased no end. Okay. This is just a situation whereby that vulnerable person is now stuck in the same house. They might have been able to go for a walk. I mean, thank God oh, it's lifted now, so there's a little bit more relief, you know. But, like, they may have been stuck in the same house or the same apartment with this person. And should that that person's only laughing at them. You know what I mean? They have them now literally in a corner. And they can, if it's coercive control and emotional abuse, can you imagine? And tell All me, day, every day. Yeah.
0: And tell me this before I let you go. In the, in the event of somebody taking a legal action against a yes. violent partner, are they entitled to free legal aid?
6: Now, and I, I, I actually, before, I, I spoke to you this morning, I spoke to one of my, I was calling my colleagues around the Domestic Violence Centre um, with regards to that question on point, right? There is, when you go for legal aid, generally, you have to pay some kind of a contribution to legal aid. There is no contribution required for a legal aid application. And that, like, the, and that in itself is volumes big volume in that money is not a reason for you not to go to court. And the girls in the the Domestic Violence centers they they'll ring us. We'll get it sorted. You know what I mean? So, no, money should not be an issue with regards to making an application to legal aid. That'll be done. And I've seen the girls work so discreetly and so respectfully with people to make sure that they do get in and they do get their application before
0: the court. OK, Vicky, thank you as always for for taking the call we're up to speed Vicky Buckley from Buckley Law Solicitors on South Mall. back after
2: 10 104 to 106 Red FM this is the Neil Frienderville
0: Show I had a great fun on the air yesterday morning with our giveaways uh, with the lead-in to Valentine's which is next Monday but I think a lot of people will be doing their thing across the weekend and you can follow um, Lana's mantra for the perfect relationship there particularly with Valentine's this weekend Uh, leave the rowing bit out the kissing and the walking, and and, uh, I love you are fine Um, because if you go with the one or two a month or whatever she said that'll lead to two and four and six and all that kind of stuff anyway so this week in association with the Cork International Hotel we have overnight stays for two of you You and whomever you choose to stick with you, ideally your loved one, with welcome drinks, breakfast, and three course dinner. And the food in the Cork International Hotel is top class. Now, if you don't want to have the dinner, you might want to use it instead for their fabulous Sunday lunch. And they're having, there's a new Sunday lunch offering now every Sunday in the Atlantic restaurant in the hotel. And they're also running pink galantine afternoon tea for the month of February, it being the month of love, I suppose. So we had some very funny calls yesterday, some quirky ones, and they're the kind of ones we want. The more interesting, strange, unusual, unexpected uh, stories of love, how you found it how you met your partner, how they proposed, things like that. So text 0868-104-106 and I'll return to it a little later on this morning. Uh, Meanwhile, from yesterday's programme and that some people are so strapped now that um, they can't afford a communion dress for their daughter. Morning to you all. Lidl do lovely, inexpensive communion dresses every year, as do some of the charity shops. And I have a few very nice dresses myself that I'm happy to give away As my four daughters have already made their first Holy Communion, says Angela. Thank you so much for that. You're right. uh, For people on a budget, of course, they shop accordingly. uh, And you can get a lot more inexpensive communion dresses if you have even the money for those. But Angela, certainly do drop those dresses off to penny dinners. I have two different size communion dresses. If Katrina would like them, both of them have been cleaned. Again, Kira, thank you. And please do so. Pass them on. Morning. I hate these arguments about kids wearing communion dresses. Why are why are adults so mean about it by saying all communion dresses should be banned? I think they often forget their own youth. Communion dresses don't have to be expensive. They can be bought secondhand, borrowed. Uh, lots of supermarkets now do very cheap ones. Weddings can be expensive. So should wedding dresses be banned also? They aren't needed for the marriage. Uh, staff Christmas nights out should be banned too, as they're only putting pressure on people to go on nights out that they can't afford and so on and so on. So just ban everything so people don't have to spend too much money. I'm honestly so sick of some adults making remarks like this about children. All through the pandemic we've heard how resilient kids are and maybe they are uh, but they shouldn't have to be. Let the children have their day. There will always be parents and children that spend too much money on things whether it's a birthday party, Christmas presents, clothing. That is never going to change says Gillian. A lot of truth in what you're saying there. Thank you for that text. Meanwhile, school boards of management should create a standard school uniform type inexpensive communion dress, like the inexpensive communion dress equivalent to a standard school uniform. If they did, then poorer kids wouldn't feel excluded. It would eliminate the pressure. I don't know, I don't know how much of communion dresses are indeed uh, communion suits for the boys is a bit like a fashion parade. I don't know uh, whether the, you know, I mentioned, you know, what the tiaras and some people have stretched limos and things. I know all of that. It's brilliant what Katrina is doing with communion dresses and suits. I hope everyone knows that there's no need to spend hundreds on the clothes. My sister bought her daughter's dress for thirty-four ninety nine in a supermarket, and it looked amazing. You would never guess it was from a supermarket. Even mister Price now is selling dresses at seventeen ninety nine. What? How can they even make a profit on that? I have two sons and I borrowed suits from my friends for both their Holy Communions. They look just as good as everyone else. Uh, morning, is there any laundrette cleaning communion dresses? Then they could be dropped straight to penny dinners. My daughter's dress is immaculate and we would happily donate it to Katrina. Says Andrea, please do. Thank you for those texts. There's lots more on that and lots more besides, which I'll come back to throughout the course of the morning. Okay, thank you. Vincent, good morning. Uh, hi, Neil. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. Are you on the speakerphone there, my friend? Um, do what? Okay, one second. Yeah, if you if you don't mind, it's just a lot of... Yeah, uh, then. That's fine, we'll drive on. You you, you wanted to pick up on, when you say assaults, are you talking about unprovoked street assaults? Are you talking about the domestic violence issues we've been talking about? Or all of it, what?
7: Well, I suppose it could really touch nearly every aspect of it, but what kind of drove my decision to give you a call was listening to the, um, well, all the various conversations you've been having over the last number of weeks since uh, a lot of the assaults started. And um, what I noticed was, through the various media platforms, was it was emphasizing more on how the the individual was attacked and what happened to them. And, you know, all the distraught that followed uh, about them. Okay, so you're referencing,
0: say, for instance, a paragraph this morning where... Uh, Olivia Keller in the Irish Times says the teenager was approached and assaulted by two men as she was out walking alone Monday afternoon yesterday. A number of young people intervened when they heard the young woman screaming, um, and the assailant fled the scene on foot. Is it is it that kind of information?
7: Well, no. It, well, it's more more graphic than that, and how? Um, yeah, I that mean, would be obviously a part of it, but it's more graphic than that. What's been portrayed across the media platforms? I think what should be more focused on is how the attackers are going to be dealt with. Uh, now, I mean, I know nothing about the Irish system and, and how they're going to be, you know, treating in the courts. And probably a lot of these attackers might know either. They just know they're going to attack and, well, they don't know what's going to the consequence are going to be afterwards. So uh, I think it's probably a good idea maybe to stress across the media platforms how, if you do such an act, how you're going to be dealt with. Yeah. And, uh, and how, it's going to be, how it's going to affect not only you, but all your family your friends and and you know even the, the person who was attacked you know it, it's just the whole spectrum of it and I don't think that's come across on media enough to say to these attackers look well you know this is what's going to happen to you potentially. If you no, carry but do you accept do you accept that
0: that the, that the, the, the report? The, do are you okay with the fact that these assaults and these attacks and this violence is reported?
7: Well, yes, reported, yes, but I don't think the graphic of it needs to be described across the airwaves or even on paper. Okay. Or, you, okay. Know, on your, you know, because I think that's, that's giving out too much information to, you know, to give them, give them ideas. You know and you mean for copyca-
0: are- you mean for copycats, is it? if they so possibly, if they yeah. hear the, yeah. if they hear that a teenage girl was approached while walking on her own in a particular area, they, they could lead to copycats
7: well, there you go. So that's exactly it. So she's walking on her own, okay, so if I was a potential predator, okay, I'm going to grab somebody who's walking on her own. you know it just it just plants a seed, I think, uh, into anybody who's potentially going to attack anybody uh, on how to approach it. You know, so I think I think if the information was brought out and, well, how how the, what the courts, what the guards are going to do to you when they get you and how you're going to be broadcasted across all the media reports, I think you should be named and shamed. And then, you know, it should be described exactly. I know that the Irish courts, uh, from my understanding, is not the best, um, but a lot of these guys probably don't even know that. But it's just, it's just I suppose, it's how the fear is coming across at the moment to those um, People, you know, let's just say the women, because that's at the moment what we're hearing who've got them. Mm. But they're being attacked, and now they're, i know them because I have five sisters, and I have—I know that when they go out, they're—they're they're mindful. You know, they're a bit more cautious now because well, they're hearing all this. But how? What's it like on the other end when all these, you know, men, women are out there who are looking to attack? You know, what are they perceiving? You know, are they getting the right? Are they getting the information enough to scare them not to go out and attack people?
0: Yeah, but they can't be so they can't be so thick, not to know uh, that uh, but you're the if whole force of, of the lo-
7: ta- If they're thick enough to attack somebody, then they are thick.
0: Yeah, I know. They, are. I know in that regard. Like, but I see. I don't know about how they're wired to do the things they do. Oh, I,
7: I have no idea either. But we will look. Are they, for are they so? Know.
0: Are they so badly wired that they think that they that they'll g- definitely get away with it, or if they're caught, that they'll get away with it? Surely, be to god, they must have that oh, much god. caught on. Uh
7: you don't know, Neil. You just, I don't, I don't know. You know, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not that way wired, so I don't know how they think. But I, I do know that if it's like anything else, you read a book and you learn how to do something.
0: True enough, if, yeah. If, no, if, I take if, your point. If, yeah,
7: yeah. if the information is portrayed in front of you, then you're going to grasp what you know out of it, and then you're going to use that in your own ways to carry out what you want to do. Okay, okay. And, and okay. I, I think I think really the media needs to emphasize more on how uh, the attacker is going to be perpetrated and, and dealt with. I think that, that fear needs to come into them more so than coming into um, a, a, an ordinary person who's out walking or jogging the mind of their own business.
0: Okay, food for thought. Thank you for it, Vincent. Text 0868 if you have an opinion on that. Something that we dealt with yesterday, just as a by the way, and I'll get back to calls after the break then. Remember we were chatting with the chap yesterday got 35 out of 40 in his theory test, and then he asked, he was uh, doing the test again because his motorbike license uh, lapsed, so he got 35 out of, he got 36 out of 40. So he passed. He really did a great test, but you have to get 35 out of 40. But then he asked them to tell him uh, the questions that he got wrong and they refused to disclose the driver theory test, refused to disclose the questions that he got wrong. He wanted to know the ones that he got wrong so that he could correct those faults. Now he's walking around having got four wrong and he's afraid that he might well be doing those. Um, you know, incorrect driving techniques and manoeuvres because he doesn't know what he got wrong. Uh, And I thought it was a great idea that people would be told, listen, you got this wrong, this wrong, this wrong and this wrong. Uh, So we contacted the driver theory test yesterday and they said that they they the driver theory test report gives feedback to all candidates on the number of questions answered correctly and incorrectly in each section of the exam. They said to us, it is the policy not to identify The particular questions that were incorrectly answered as we want to encourage a general revision of the material since any retake of the test will have a different set of questions. But, of course, that didn't answer our question because in this case he passed, all right? Uh, I can understand why the driver theory test was, we're not going to give you the answers you got wrong if you failed. you got to go back to the start, you know? you got to go back to go. So I understand that part. So the second part of the response was, Where a person is successful on the test, having reached the pass mark of 35 out of 40, it is quite clear that the person will have achieved a high level of understanding of the material in the test. So that's what they said, but it doesn't answer the question as to why it wouldn't be a good idea. Like, what about telling them what they got wrong, even when they pass, so that they can improve even further in the future? I think it would be a simple thing to do it makes sense to me
2: text the Neil Prenderville show now 086-8104-106 Red FM. and you can text 086-8104-106 two stories
0: for you from Fitzgerald's Park one not so good and the other not so good the first one comes with a photograph that I was sent and thank you for it you know the little cylindrical balls you know the metal ones that you can sit on don't sit on them on a very hot sunny day in the summer it'll burn your arse but if you know those ones that I'm talking about up at Fitzgerald's Park that's where the Photograph was taken and it's got all the detritus of, of drug abuse and drug taking and all the paraphernalia. Myself and my family went to Fitzgerald's Park today, Sunday, the 6th of February with our kids and friends and the kids were playing hide and seek directly across from the coffee shop. There is a sit down area like a wooden cave. Yeah, That's the Gavin Garden, actually, the wooden cave right on the water and under it is where the kids were hiding. And that is where all the addicts are shooting up, which I didn't know. I would like if you could bring this to people's attention, just to be cautious with the kids out there, please, I'd appreciate it. Picks to follow. And the picks are quite extensive. And you can tell, this is not any one session of heroin or drug use or needle paraphernalia. This would be over a period of time. There is an awful lot of it. I mean, it's just loads of drug paraphernalia litter there. It's so sad to see and just going from bad to worse. And the other Fitzgerald's Park story, Um, okay, some months back, I was chatting with uh, uh, the journalists at Tripe and Drusheen. I believe it was J.J. O'Donoghue at the time. And for some reason we got chatting. They do deep dives on Cork stories every week and they're fabulous reading at Tripe and Drusheen. And I think if I remember correctly, we ended up talking about the Bossman's Hut, which was living its life very nicely. Thank you very much. Up until sometime in the noughties when uh, we rejigged and rechanged and redesigned the whole of Patrick Street and the busman's hut was moved. And I knew that it ended up in uh, Fitzgerald's Park because I saw it over the gate in there, looking lonely uh, and dejected and literally rotting away. So Tripe and Drasheen said they do a deep dive into the history of the busman's hut. And according to my calculations, it's 120 years old this year. JJ, good morning.
8: Morning, Neil. How are
0: you? It's a super read. You really did dig deep, and um, it's not good news to report, sure. It's not.
8: No, it isn't. Like I mean, I think um, yeah, the story it brought back a lot of memories for people. Um, that it's it's a kind of an open secret that it's still there, where it is in Fitzgerald Park in the works yard, and it's just it's yeah, uh, it's been rotting away since it was removed in two thousand and two. Um, it's a bit of an orphan of history and maybe a lack of imagination, but um, yeah, that's where it is and where it's going is the kind of the open question, you know, or what will happen to it. Yeah.
0: So let's rewind the clock back because, uh, you know, if people want, they can just search online for the wonderful Anthony Barry treasure trove of, yeah. of cork photos, many of the old black and white, thousands of them in his lifetime, um, primarily through the 60s and 70s, I think, wasn't it? That's it, yeah. And the and the hot features in many of them, but the hut originally was made in Glasgow, wasn't it? Came over here and was used yeah. in the the back end of the eighteen hundreds by the fire service, wasn't
8: it? That's it, yeah, yeah. The, when they were setting up the like instituting fire a fire service in Cork, uh, it was used as a fireman's rest and um, as it kind of outlined in the piece and type machine. It moved around for a while. Uh, it was below on Grand Parade. Um, and then it was over by Labitz Quay and um, eventually it ended up replacing um, a tramway house um, in the early 1900s. When it was um, on
0: Grand Parade apparently um, some of the department stores there didn't like it where it was because it, <laughs> it was blocking their view yeah, wasn't it I and mean, then oh, Pauling, and then they moved it and other people didn't like it because they were living on Grand Parade kind of stuff wasn't it?
8: That's it yeah I mean like some things never change and Pat Polin the former firefighter and historian he's was is all two books all about the history of the fire brigade in cork and um, it's featured in that and like he's got great anecdotes and a lot of that information came from past um about like how it you know moved around until it eventually settled at the statue and it was that conversation we were having late last year about the statue like the statue is synonymous with the horse um, and it eventually when it moved to Patrick Street after the statue in the early nineteen hundreds.
0: Yeah, and for many years as a kid I remember the fireman the fireman's hut that went on to become the tramway hut, that went on to become the busman's hut. Because it was Father Matthew, the hut and a beautiful lengthy a beautiful lengthy flower bed, which also got ripped out, didn't it?
8: It did. I do, actually, I didn't remember that. No, I might be a small younger mm-hmm. <laughs> a bit younger than you. But there was a the right. man who was telling me. And it's in those photos as well. A big You'll need to That's move amazing.
0: around a bit there, JJ, because you're phasing Sorry. in and out. So yeah, just Sorry. Uh,
8: um, no, yeah, that flower bed. And like a lot of people, just at the top of Patrick Street, even you have Mangan's clock, you had that flower bed, the statue and the hut. And um, it's amazing, this article, it brought back so many memories of people. I actually got one very good one through, if you don't mind me sharing it. It was... Um, the other thing about the hut, as well as being kind of the central area for, you know, the busmen and the conductors and the inspectors to meet at and kind of log on and off, is that uh, it was kind of a, a a lost and found, even for kids. And um, this man just contacted us after we wrote it, and he, he remembers strolling up Patrick Street with his family. This was years ago, and um, he became lost, or his parents moved on ahead, and he started crying, and a busman must have spotted him and brought him over to the hut. And he... Um, he arrived in there and they handed him a big bar of chocolate and it was the first time ever he saw a phone <laughs> and he couldn't believe his luck. And anyway, his, his mom lost have noticed he was missing and then she ran around Patrick Street and another woman saw her and anyway, they brought him to the busman's house, and there he was inside, in it, having the best time of his life. You know? The
0: lost and found as well as everything else. And of course, just yeah. across the mid, you do talk in Trypon Drusheen about the fact that Mangan's clock was also a very focal point for people who were meeting on a date, wasn't it? And we had Singer's Corner, for instance. Outside Roach's Tours was another. But certainly Mangans was a big one,
8: wasn't it? Yeah, like, and I, I didn't remember that either. you know, all the little bits of history. There was a taxi man telling me about how, yeah, he'd stroll down the hill from Christians and Mangans' clock would always be a famous date spot. So you have all these little bits of history on that street. And it's just, it's like, I think this story really brought back a lot of that. And it's a pity that it's not there like I think that's what most people came to, and I did a short poll on our um, Twitter. And granted, like um, you don't get a like a full reading of what people think, but most people were in favour of restoring it and bringing it back to that spot.
0: Yeah, and I'll come, I'll come back to that because okay, so you you also spoke to the great Jack Lyons, um, Irish yeah, Jack, Jackie the Bell, Jackie the Bell, because he was. Uh, no, was, was he a busman or was he a, was he a driver? He
8: was a conductor.
0: Yeah, he was a conductor. Oh, oh incidentally, they also stored all of the. The bus the bus ticket rolls there, didn't they? Yeah, and the
8: ticket rolls back in the day when you'd get a ticket, you know, or, like, the conductor would hand out a ticket in those big white rolls, yeah.
0: But they were... Some of the t- the lads you were talking to said it, w- it was a cold and drafty and damp old thing.
8: It was, yeah. Like, and I think that never changed. I mean, it's the light of the building and you can still see little aspects of the design down in Fitzgerald's Park on the, the building or on the hut. But, like, yeah, it was cold and drafty, like, definitely, and... Like busmen were kind of, they'd run across the road to uh, road to stores, you know, like when they they couldn't all fit in there. And uh, another funny story is that. um, John Pearson's wedding day, is it? uh, John Pearson's wedding day when they battered him with. And I think my father, who was a bus driver, had a hand acting part in that, (laughs) possibly. Um, And another, uh, there were some American tourists in town one day, and it must have just started uh, raining all of a sudden, you know, a big shower. And they saw all these a bunch of men, bus, but didn't know were busmen running to this to the horse and they thought, Oh that's the entrance to a subway or an underground So they started running after them, you know,
0: like <laughs> a Subway or an underground.
8: <laughs> and they just saw a flock of men, you know, running to this spot, you know, and they thought that looks like the entrance to an underground, you know.
0: <laughs> John Pearson's wedding day in nineteen seventy three. The wedding car made a detour along the Grand Grand Parade. He couldn't understand why they were it of course he was a he was a, a CIE man himself. But also, what, what happened then when his uh, his wedding car passed the hut?
8: So, yeah, it was his daughter, Vicky, who put me onto this. Um, yeah, so they, they took a detour down Grand Plade, up Patrick Street, and then they just stopped outside uh, the hut um, in the wedding car, and they pelted him with the, what you just referred to, you know, the bus rolls, the tickets. Um, <laughs> and it was a, a, kind of an impromptu confetti celebration with him. So, like, there was great kind of, there was good crack, you know. I mean, it was a workplace as well, but, like, there's so much going on there, you know, between the public and between, you know, the the CIE workers in the bus area. Yeah, you
0: could call in there asking for the time of a bus. It yeah, might be accurate, exactly. but they tell you the time. Yeah. Before I move to the Fitzgerald's Park section of the story, there was a lovely story in, in the article in and Sheen, where you spoke to somebody who... Because I remember this like as if it was yesterday. The last bus where the inspector yeah. would come out of the hut. You, you 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 spoke with somebody who actually lived, I think it was on Winthrop Street, and used to look forward to that every night, Yeah.
8: Yeah, that's again, this is John Pearson, who ended up becoming, you know, working with CIE. And, like, even, you know, I'd never, ever interviewed anyone who lived on Winthrop Street. But, like, as a young fella, he would, like, that it was almost like a ritual every day, like the the inspector coming out, as you just described it there, and uh, the last whistle, you know, and all that cavalcade of buses would flow out down Patrick Street, so so. So, yeah, like, all these little bits of history, you know, that we kind of forget about, that happened on the street, because of that one little hush, you know?
0: And, Therefore, you decided to find out where we're at with it. So you, yeah, yeah. you travelled to Fitzgerald's Park, met the caretaker. Pick up that part of the story.
8: So, yeah, um, it, uh, you mentioned uh, Irish Jack there, Jack Lyons. And a few years ago, him and um, one of his, oh, boys, they went down to Fitzgerald's Park. So, And as you mentioned when we were talking last, it is there. So went down, had a look at it. And they were there in 2018. And there was kind of, a few years ago, there was kind of, you know, some movement to see what we do with it but i suppose covid happened and etc nothing has happened since so it's just there it's in the middle of this works yard it's an empty works yard and to be honest it's a very sad and lonely site there's a few plants thrown around this maybe they're just like they'll be taken back out but it's just it's doing nothing except falling apart so you kind of wonder what is the purpose of even storing it because like it's just literally rotting and falling apart you know
0: Why did they move it? Was it when Beth Galley wanted to turn Patrick Street into something from Barcelona or something, is it? Yeah. It just didn't fit them. It didn't fit the narrative.
8: I mean, like, it's it's, uh, it's impossible to say whether it was Beth Galley, you know what I'm saying? Yes, move around there, JJ,
0: again. Oh, sorry.
8: Yeah. Um, Can you hear me? So it's impossible to say if Beth Galley was the one who said, no, we can't have this. I'm sure that wasn't the case. You know, this was a big um, decision between City Council and a lot of different people. But that's when it was cleared out in 2002. And then I'd say, like, the City Council probably ended up with it. Um, It's quite, it's kind of uncertain. Who owns it? I mean, the fire, firefighters, they were the ones who put it in, but over time, like, it's been there, as I wrote, you know, in the piece, it's been there for three centuries now. This little hush, you know, it, it has survived. Three centuries. Even though it is falling apart, you know. It's a is survival. it beyond
0: redemption, do you think? I know you're not an engineer, but do you think it...
8: I'm not, like, in fairness, Pat Poland, they went a few years ago, him and a delegation, and, um, like, I don't think... I mean, you could do something with this, and, and even I was talking to my dad about it, you know, and he was saying, like, years ago... Um, they fixed up buses when, um, to send out to um, oh, 80 roaches, you know, like... Chernobyl. They, when they, yeah. For Chernobyl, thank you. You know, so the idea that there is people and there is engineers in Cork, and like even Menshed, who probably be only too willing and too happy to work on a little bit of... Absolutely. I'd, lo-
0: I'd love that to happen. I think people would love that to happen because they have nostalgic and fond memories of it. And put it back there, and for God's sake, they could even incorporate a little toilet in there, couldn't they? <laughs> now you're talking, huh? I mean, what do busmen, and women for that matter, do when they need to go to the loo?
8: This is the other, I mean, they were running, it was like talking to Jack, uh, Jackie the Bell, you know, and like all these pubs that have gone as well, you know, like where um, Merchant's Key is, like all oh, that side was pubs and shops, you know, like the Swan and Signet, the Bull's Head, like drivers were in and out of them all the time, using facilities and maybe, you know, they might, they might stop off and have a drink as well, but like, yeah, I just, you know, they put the parents later into lots of stores, and there was even at one stage, which I found amazing, there was a plan to extend the hut. <laughs> they were going to put an extension onto the hut, which... I just think... I think it's, Yeah, yeah. It's, the, um, to, that was going to be to kind of extend the lot. So, so, like, I think it is a, it's, a, it's an important part of our local history, you know, and I think so many readers... Like um, it meant something to them after this piece on Triton Machine. So did you get a lot It'd of people good. reaching out
0: and connecting with you on the article?
8: Indeed, yeah. Like even there was a like um, a, um, one lad said his dad was. um he said, you know, I'd always, if I was in town, I'd always head over to the hut and like, you know, there's a good chance my dad'd be there, and I'd oh, call and say hello. So I know. Oh, I know. Like and that, you see, the, the sad, I mean, the
0: sad board thing about yeah, the sad thing about it is that while they don't seem to have any plans. Our project in mind, they're also not protecting it in the event that they do have a plan or a project
8: in mind. And that know? is the kind of double-edged sword of it, isn't yeah. it? You know, it's yeah. there, yeah. but what is it doing there, you know?
0: Did you ask City Council, or the, did you ask the, the City I'm Manager?
8: City Council and Recreation, and they're the ones who um, are in charge over it, and, uh, like, it really hasn't changed since um, Council of Kenners Lane's brought up as well. Like, there's uh, currently there's no budget to do anything with this. So that's why it's kind of this orphan that I kind of talk about. But um, nah, I mean, no, at I least, don't,
0: no. well, at least protected, don't you think, in the short term?
8: Protect Didn't it? Be like, because, yeah, Get a tarpaulin over it or something? Because, uh, they could, they could, that could be done, I'm sure, yeah. Okay, I mean, my it's man. It's part of our
0: history. It is. Listen, just before I let you go, I need you to solve a mystery for you for me. It says in the article uh, that your uh, father was a bus driver all his life, right? Yeah. And your uncle... Um, and your, his eldest brother Kevin was a bus conductor for a while and part Thank of the you. article you talk about one of the terms that used when bus drivers and conductors are talking bus lingo, they say two o'clock spare at the statue <laughs> would you please tell me what that means
8: I brought that up I met Jackie two weeks ago Jack the Bell, and I brought it up and he was going no nah, no nah, nah you're using it all wrong like so I'm probably not even the best man what I think is that they're going to Capwell and they go down to the horse, and then like some ships would be given to them is what I think or else it's just kind of busman's lingo for I don't know what's happening
0: um, <laughs> but that's where I'm going <laughs> then, I, then I've got to ask a bus driver out there to tell me exactly. what does two <laughs> o'clock spare at the statue mean <laughs> 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 Oh fantastic JJ thank you so much very enjoyable hopefully yeah, this are. conversation in your article in and Sheen might encourage people in authority to do something with it
8: great thanks for having us on cheers for now take care uh, just one shout out for Tribe and Shane anybody's welcome to sign up and we publish um, details as you say and news and features all about core Uh, Two
0: times a week. Okay, people can get it on a Google search. If you love your city and you love stories, then you should be following Tripe and Drasheen with J. Joe Donahue and Elio Byrne, who is his journalistic colleague at Tripe and Drasheen. You can subscribe to Tripe and Drasheen for just €8 a month, or indeed you can just make a one-off small contribution to keep their journalism going. Anyway, your thoughts on that? Particularly if you're a bus driver, if you can solve the riddle of two o'clock spare at the statue... Text 086 8104 106. All right. This
2: is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106. Red FM.
0: I think the last bus is either at the 11 o'clock or the 11.15. I'm open to correction on that, but every single bus stop at that time, at the 11 or the 11.15, would be sitting at its station on the length of Patrick Street. So you really could have eight, ten, maybe a dozen buses, you know, maybe six or four, certainly four, maybe six, going north and the other ones going south. And nobody would move. The last bus would leave at exactly the same time. How, how did that happen? An inspector would come out of the horse hut with a whistle, just with a whistle, and blow the whistle. And then this cavalcade of buses would take off with the last passengers of the night going north side, Southside, So it was really the nucleus. You can talk all you want about Parnell Place and places like this. This is where it was all happening at the uh, two o'clock spare at the statue. <laughs> Text 0868104106. Thank you. Got it. Uh, Donald. good morning. Hello.
9: How are you doing? Uh, come here. Are Please? you sure? Yeah,
0: go on. Can you tell me what a two o'clock spare at the statue meant? Oh, two o'clock
2: spare at the statue. Ooh, oh, we're getting technical. No, apparently it's
0: busman
9: <laughs> slang, I'm told. I'll give a slang now for what has worked. Right. Um, right. Dag is overtime. Dag. And before, yes, dag is overtime. And it's still used, actually. A bit of dag. A bit of dag, yeah. And, all, and twining, twining was actually overtime before that.
0: Twining? Yeah. And dad, and everyone Dang. was mad for a bit of twining,
9: was it? Well, you see, the thing about it is you're talking about men who are married and, 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 and kids to raise and all that sort of thing. And not everybody was mad for us uh, and such like.
0: You want to be off your but, head now to do any overtime because you're taxed <clears> like <throat> well, crazy? It depends. You see, there's three things that matter in, in transport. Three things the bus you're
9: on, the, the route you're on, and the people you're dealing with.
0: That makes they're sense to me. Keys. Yeah, I can buy they're that.
9: The tri- they're the three keys. Yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. and it applies. In, uh, it applies anywhere in the country. And tell me, you drove buses for a couple of decades, did you? I d- sorry, longer. I drove buses for twenty years in Cork. City. Right,
0: and was that at the time of the shed on Patrick's Street, the hut, to give it its proper name? Yes,
9: it was. And I, my, I parked my my, my 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 bum inside in the hut for more than months. And I was a new generation coming in there. You and what, what bus did you drive? Different routes. Oh, I, 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 when you're, you you come... First of all, you're a spare when you come in. Spare? Spare. You'll be sent anywhere.
0: Ah, uh, now I'm getting to kind of... Now we're kind of unrolling now, the now riddle of the two o'clock spare. It's a
9: different language altogether. It's like it has its own language. So when you start, you're a spare you could you're be dri- spare when you start, yeah. you, when you go, when you go through the process of selection. Which I can tell you this much now: it ain't. I mean, like you know, it depends what to- year you're talking about. But I, <coughs> I had to go through five steps to to um, to get into a bus.
0: You'd be able to drive not, first, anyway.
9: Yeah, While well, well, i mean to the he I was very, very fortunate. I came in a full license, very fortunate.
0: I had been on trucks. Oh yeah, that would help. <coughs>
9: you see, so were you then, driving this, buses at the
0: time when there was the conductor in the open back?
9: Um, the conductors were sort of on the way out when I came in. There was only about three, plus five conductors left okay, okay. when I when I came in.
0: Okay. And what but, route did you end up with then when you stopped being a spare?
9: Oh well, well you have to play for route. Do you? And to the senior, oh yes, oh yes. When you were spare, you 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 apply for a route, and you and to the senior man gets the route. The most senior man that applies for the route
0: gets the route. What would be That's what would have been the most popular route?
9: Um, well, as I as I discovered, well, you see, it's very hard to get into the good routes because to the senior men
0: already have them. Well, which one would it be? Would it be the 7, the 2, well, or the 8, the 3? I, I ended up
9: in 216, as an example. What's that? And it was, there were it operated from COH down the Mall, and on down through Mount Oval. That was in my time.
0: And what do you it's make of what happened to the hut, and what should happen? Like, we talk about City Council, but maybe it's, maybe actually, it's Capwell's problem.
9: Well, you see, the thing about it, look, we won't pass the book, if possible we'll try and turn around and create a situation uh, it's rotting blowing off Park I yeah,
0: yeah. oh listen you just right. look at the photographs online yeah. well if, if it's state. possible please take it
9: out of there and bring it up to Capwell and you know they might get a few pins somewhere or a few bobs somewhere to start to halt the rot of of this 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 um, historical <laughs> historical thing
0: let's start a campaign stop the
9: rot well, you know, no, like you know, we'll try and get the money somewhere if we can. Yeah, okay. I suppose given that, given that the greens are inside at the moment, they might give
0: a bob towards it. Ah, uh, people love a bit of a nostalgia. And it has so many memories, not
9: just, for, valid, the public, valid, valid, yeah. just for the public, but also just
0: also for the workers. Given the fact that
9: I sat inside it as well too, like you know. So do support. you have it? Do
0: you, t- you sat in there for your break? Had a smoke? Played? Do you play a bit? They oh, uh, well, yeah, hand yeah, yeah, the cards yeah, and stuff. Well you
9: cars my foot. Um <laughs> <laughs> no, you see the the thing about it was I was I was part of I I don't wanna sound arrogant now. I was part of a new generation that came in there. Right? And we were guys we were people that had walked somewhere else before we got into Bus Aron. And there were things happening in Bus Aron at the time that we couldn't actually believe. We couldn't believe. <laughs> I'm afraid Sorry, to ask what <laughs> Well, very much an institution. It's, certain, it's still to a certain extent an institution to an extent as, as such. Now, I will be arrogant here now, and it, we don't want to see it privatized. I'll be blunt. But we fear it will be privatized. Who knows? That type of thing. Uh, yeah, well yeah. you see they' given the way things are moving and there are uh, when I when I when I fellas like fellas like me ended up inside a, for our 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 senior colleagues uh, when they when they opened their mouths and the things that came out of them we, we were astonished. Because they were institutionalized, yeah. they never walked anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know? Yeah, yeah. And they did they they had certain attitudes and certain beliefs that wouldn't be acceptable in the real commercial world.
0: You know, with well, what? With regards had, to pay we, conditions, com- hours of work and things. Surely they've well, been trying to uh, have an well, opinion on conditions that.
9: conditions of employment the, uh, it's probably, still, it probably still is the best employer in the transport industry. It right. probably still is, like, you know.
0: Okay, um, I mean, so tell me this, because I'm, I'm curious. In all in all of those years, if you're on the 216 and you know to go, need to go for a wee, what what did you do? I mean, there wasn't a toilet well,
9: yes, in you the hut. Well, you have to assemble it. You have to assemble the body, to, to, to do these things. I mean, I knew of a guy who walked on the number (laughs) 10. The number 10 turned turned out to be the 216. Now, the poor, unfortunate man, he had a a bladder problem. Yeah, what happens to him? Well, I mean, he ended up in bad health because he he ended up in bad health and he ended up having to have operations because of his bladder problem. You which know, is very, very sad and very
0: unfortunate. Yeah, because I hear they, they'd stop at the, the Swan Swan's Signet or go down to the Bull's Head on yeah, Merch's Key yeah, yeah, or into yeah. the old Kentucky or stuff like that or hotel. Yeah. You know, it was a tough gig, like it was hard in that regard. Well, I mean,
9: know. like there was, there was like everything else. There was pluses and minuses in it. I mean, you know, They were, there were never highly paid until you had to go to stri- if you wanted a, if you wanted a two cent rise, a two, a two euro rise, had to go on strike for the flaming. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. You know, know. It was the, old, it was, the it was based on the old Victorian um, conflict attitude.
0: And were you say, were you a safe bus driver for all those twenty years? Sorry? Were you a, were you a safe bus driver?
9: I was, I was, you know, I was as good as the next, I, I didn't kill anybody, I had, yes I had an accident, I would admit I had an yeah, accident, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I didn't kill anybody, yeah, thanks you know, mean uh, what, uh, we came when we came in there with what the attitude is, our attitude was the new breed in there, was, good God that person is waiting below there for me at the bus stop and i late. Yeah, I know.
0: Training. Yeah, that's a nice attitude you
9: know, they, to have. Yeah, well, that's, that's the, that was the attitude we had. Yeah. Whereas the, a lot of the generation that was there before us, they're not
0: effing for
9: their attitude. <laughs> Let's
0: know? fight and talk, Donald. Let's fight and I mean, talk to I mean, your I, former colleagues.
9: <laughs> well, the thing about it is, you know, I know of, I know of guys who closed their own roots because they were too busy playing cards. Everything called swinging.
0: Jagging, twining, and what was swinging? S- swinging,
9: swinging, yeah, swinging. Because when you're out over time, when you when you don't make it on time from A to B, you you have to swing the bus to put it back on time again.
0: Oh, you you you, you just turned around on the route? Well, you take off your numbers.
9: You run it down, you you, you you run it down, you run it down, take him here, you we get a lot of information, you don't know, which is classified, this is a lot of, this is classified stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it is, oh yeah, when is the last time you heard anybody saying the uh, dag <laughs> in, any, in any walk of life? Dagging like, and twinning and swinging when, in when, the two yeah, o'clock when, spare
0: at the statue, when when
9: when with? When, when, um, when, well, when, when, when they mention dag, we know what they were talking about. That's <laughs> the clue. Oh but when God. they mentioned overtime, ah, that's for not That's right. about, what they're talking
0: about. All right, listen. You know? Go on. Put the kettle on. Appreciate you taking the call. Well, A lot of memories yeah. there. <laughs> Yeah, there is a lot of
9: memories. i please, if possible try and preserve that. That is a matchbox to, to I 100% be. I hundred percent agree. To, to be to, to to be sort of to be, I suppose sarcastic about it. But I don't want to be sarcastic about it because it's a part of so many
0: lives. It is, and it's 120 years there. Thank you, Donald. Back after the break. Text 868 104 four one o six.
2: Neil's got a new number. Call him now on oh eight one eight one o four one o six.
0: So if you were a two o'clock spare at the statue, or worked on the buses do get in touch text 0868 104 106 if a story to tell email neil at redfm.ie now i want to turn to the story because i was chatting with the gang here at, at redfm last week about this a lot of them are following isabel and tom on youtube isabel joins me by phone isabel good morning
10: hello good morning to you the, it's la- nice to be here.
0: the lads are following you here on youtube all of your adventures at the moment around the west coast of ireland so yourself and tom and you're um, wonderfully adapted Ford transit. You you packed in your job as science teachers in Cornwall, is that right? Jumped into the Ford Transit that you converted, and went travelling. Am I right?
10: You are right. Yeah, exactly. So I'm um, I'm speaking to you now from the Berra Peninsula. I'm standing out in the rain because of. Is that a signal out here? Because when we were chatting and, um, and
0: I was chatting with the girls here, you were just a couple of days ago coming over the cork Kerry border, so you're down West Cork way now. But you you had decided just when COVID kicked in, I think you had done a bit of Spain and Portugal, is it? Because COVID came along and stopped your gallop and then headed to Ireland instead. What's the plan?
10: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, when we, we were training to be science teachers, we actually bought the van and we were doing it up over the years and then um, after the first lockdown was released, we decided to head off into Portugal and Spain. But then there was quite a strict lockdown in Spain, so we had to come back. Um, so we were in Cornwall back for a bit, working again. Um, but then as soon as the restrictions eased again, we were off and we went up to Scotland. Um, we travelled around the coast in Scotland and did the North Coast 500 route. And then we decided, kind of on a whim really, to, to get the ferry across um, to Larne and, and then we, we've just been here for three months traveling along the wild atlantic way so you're we, traveling enough,
0: anti-clockwise then down the coast yeah we,
10: i think yeah we're doing it maybe the, the way that um the alternative direction <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> we're heading down south so yeah we're just we're near the border of county cork so we're, we're coming to cork soon um but we, we travel quite slow you see because we just we just find it so beautiful here and we we're just loving it so much. We never would have expected to have spent this long here. Did you start um, last
0: August, I believe, was
10: it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We set off from Cornwall in August. Um, and we, we spent a couple of months in Scotland and then yeah, okay. we came here. And since, how are you um, funding the November. trip? Well, we both worked in various jobs over the years and we, we have a both have a small amount of savings. Um, and I I was working for a coronavirus helpline in, in Cornwall. Um, online and it was a remote job, so I, as it went on, I decided, you know what, I could I could do this from the van. Um, we have a good internet set up.
0: Working from <laughs> got,
10: home. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we just have this little Wi-Fi router and then we put aerials on the top, and we we did a few little test runs, like from from my my mum's house in Cornwall, and it it, it was fine. So. We decided, you know what, let's go for it.
0: <laughs> it's a gorgeous fit out in the transit, isn't it? It's beautiful wooden panellings. Oh, See the little kitchenette. It's gorgeously laid out.
10: Oh, thank you so much. I think we're really proud of it. I mean, it's not like the fanciest of conversions, but we, we both we didn't know anything about, like, DIY. Well, we I,
0: I like it because it's very traditional. <laughs> The fit out.
10: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we, we we say a lot of people say it's quite homely. I think it's. I like how it's all wooden. It feels like a cabin in here.
0: But you and must be. It must be broke from the cost really of up, Irish yeah. diesel and petrol, are you?
10: It is expensive. Yeah, the fuel is expensive. But you know what? Because we travel so slow, we only really top off our van once every ten days, and so um, we because we've managed to save a little bit, we're we're doing okay. Um, and. Yeah, we, we don't really spend that much money because our main expenses are fuel and food because yes. we're not paying rent yeah. yes. and, um, and there a lot of the activities we do are free, like we just love all the hiking here and the wild swimming So,
0: so tell, me, tell us a little bit about the adventures that you post then since you've certainly been in Ireland on YouTube what are those?
10: Yeah, so we do a weekly uh, YouTube video on a Sunday at 5pm just like a summary of our, our week so far and Tom's Tom does all the editing on on the videos. And um, we do lots of hiking, like lots of wild swimming in the sea, in the rivers. Um, We we just try and explore everywhere, (laughs) everywhere like around
11: us. Do you have a wetsuit for that?
10: No, (laughs) we do have wetsuits, but we actually don't use them for swimming. We We prefer just the the swimming costume dunk (laughs) so I get more of the benefits of the cold water that way and what about the people and the
0: places and the hospitality are you eating out in pubs and restaurants meeting people and things
10: yeah you know what that's something that we've just been blown away by the the hospitality of the Irish people we've just been so welcomed here everyone we meet just go above and beyond to help us um, we're meeting so many people everywhere we go that are helping us with tips about where to visit. Yeah. They're offering us things like showers. and We've even had two um, really, really lovely offers to people's Airbnb. So we've managed to stay in um, two cottages in Ireland because um, they were following on our, our journey. So, yeah, it's, I mean, we, we love a pub. We, <laughs> we, we just absolutely love the traditional music in the Irish pub.
0: What do you like? Is there you try and hit a pub when there's a session on, maybe a trad session?
10: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We we were um, we managed to go and see a, a traditional session the other day. Um, Wally and Vincent were were in the Blind Piper.
0: Oh, in <laughs> Castle Car Daniel. G- Card- Daniel. Yes, was there a session on yeah. in the Blind Piper?
10: It was. Yeah, it was just by chance. We actually um, stayed in the campsite nearby. Um, oh, I know. It well, was, it was ju- it just been opened up. And did was, you get to Doolin and County Clare? I wonder. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, so we've we've been all um, we've been in County Clare. Yeah. It's just just beautiful and we're really excited to, to see cork because we've just heard that it gets even more beautiful
0: oh, oh listen the best is yeah, yet to come are you enjoying what the pints of stout like do you like our food is it very different to cornwall we don't have pasties here for um, instance
10: <laughs> yeah we do miss the pasty <sighs> um, yeah <laughs> we love your guinness yeah and <laughs> i'm excited to try beamish because i've heard that's the next
0: Ah, uh-huh. uh-huh. we have we have two of our own stouts in Cork one is Beamish and one is Murphy I would love you to try both and tell me what you think of them
10: okay I will do I can't wait yeah I think Tom's tried the Beamish in a can he, said, he says it's very really good <laughs> <laughs> what, about,
0: what about what about our food it. our fish our stews our casseroles enjoying that any well, of that
10: I'll tell you what you know what so recently because of the, the hospitalities a lot of it has been closed off and uh, we're travelling yeah. to quite a lot of rural places yeah. so we are finding Sometimes, like the cafes and things, are shut. But um we and we do to save on our budget. We do a lot of our cooking in the van. But we like to go out for a pint. um But, but we haven't done much eating out yet. But hopefully, that will change. That's, that's great. Next.
2: Where where do you and park up
0: van? then? Can you just park up in the car park of a pub, for instance?
10: Yeah, we've done that lots of times. The pubs are really, really lovely about that. I think, especially we just go in and say, "Is it okay for us to, to park the night?" And, and we buy buy food and drink. Um, a lot of the time we we just we just find somewhere that's that's like um a lay by or somewhere that's okay to park we don't park anywhere where it says you shouldn't
0: yeah, oh, I understand yeah, yeah, and how are you coping with the weather so you're getting all sorts of weather as well are you
10: <laughs> we've been so lucky with the weather actually um like i don't well this January's just been gorgeous <laughs> so mild that's one thing we didn't expect of Ireland We thought that we were just going to whiz down the coast and it might be quite cold but actually it's been such a nice mild winter for us like we've had some really beautiful like clear days for hikes it's only now in the last week that we've been getting a bit more what you'd expect from winter weather, right. like, lots okay. of rain okay. um, but I'm, I'm standing outside right now in the rain I'm Oh I won't keep you. I'm going to keep you <laughs> no, much, no, I'm not it. going to keep you much longer <laughs> but,
0: so you're heading into Cork you'll be down around the west coast and you'll be coming closer up probably into Cork City at some stage
10: yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're going to continue along the Atlantic Way all along, uh, like along the peninsula. We're in the Barrow Peninsula now, and then we're going to carry on into West Cork. Um, our friends actually from Cornwall are coming out to visit us, Kate and Jake. So we're going to be there, um, and we that's near us. Is it Skull?
0: Skull is right. Be good to skull, stay. Yeah. It will be good to stay in touch with you over the next week or ten days, particularly for the oh, the Murphys cool. and the Beamish experiment. Maybe in a West Cork pub or maybe a city pub Long Valley or something like that or the Chateau we can, we can make that happen so if people want to follow if people want to follow is it Instagram is it YouTube
10: yep so yeah YouTube we're called Lost in Transit um, and every Sunday at 5pm we've got a new new episode coming up like 20 minutes of our, our week that a summary of that week and then on Instagram we're Lost in Transit Van <laughs> And we'll do regular
0: posts there. <laughs> you're far from lost. You know exactly what you're doing.
10: <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right. No, That'll be great to stay in touch.
0: Please do. Have an open door. Come back and share some more stories. Thanks so much, Isabel. Good luck for now. Thank regards God, to thank Tom. You. Bye.
10: Thank you so much for having us. Have a Cheers, great
2: day. bye. Take care. Drive safely. New year, new number for NEO. 0818 104 106.
0: Giving out numbers this morning for domestic violence projects that can help you if you need to reach out. And uh, I was chatting with June early on from Yana, which covers North and East Cork, uh, with regards to people who are suffering domestic violence and in need of help. And there's a, an important number as well. It's a Yall all number, 24 Two five three eight 02425389 I'm happy to, to pass that on. Um, listen, uh, great giveaways this week courtesy of ourselves in the Cork International Hotel. Uh, we want your wacky stories with regards to finding love or proposals or the romanticism of your partner or lack of it. Um, and uh, you can share those by text to 868104106 or by email to Neil at redfm.ie. So one night stay for two people at the Cork International Airport Hotel. Welcome drinks on arrival, breakfast, three course dinner, or you could swap the dinner for their fabulous Sunday lunch. And I didn't mention yet this morning that uh, you also have a private cinema screening. Wow, oh, that's very posh with sweet treats. Watch a movie there as well. Maybe a romantic movie. Who knows? So that's the Cork International Hotel. They also have a a brand new Sunday lunch offering every Sunday in the Atlantic restaurant within the hotel. I'm going to check it out myself on, on Sunday if you're there. Say hello. So we'll come back to that later this morning. But some great texts on it already. And I will be coming back to those as well. But can I just stay with the hut on Patrick Street? It's 120 years old. It was originally made in Glasgow. Came over here for a spell. It was on the Grand Parade. Then it moved, I think, down to... Lapsky, Labitzky, and ended up then uh, on Patrick Street for over a century. And of course then when the whole, re- not everybody likes the new design, it's not new anymore, but the redesign of Patrick Street, it was a big international uh, competition was held and. Uh, a Barcelona architect won it and redesigned Patrick C. Some people love it and others find it just incredibly bland. But we were talking about the hut, which is now languishing and rotting up at Fitzgerald Park. Okay, so you know about that. There's a chap mentioned in it, actually, Jackie Pearson, and he was the guy that had the uh, bus rolls pelted at the wedding car. It joins me by phone. Jackie, good morning. Good
11: morning, Neil. How are you? I'm
0: great. Uh, let me just see if I can turn you up a little bit there. Can you hear me all right?
11: Yes, Grant.
0: Okay, can you, you clearly remember the hut because you were you were ambushed on your wedding morning.
11: <laughs> Lo- long before I'd been ambushed in, uh, at the hut, I had an association with it. Also mentioned in JJ's article was the cavalcade of buses at 11.15. Oh, was it?
0: I, did, I couldn't remember it was 11 o'clock or quarter past.
11: No. 11.15. I lived, uh, when I was young, in Wintrop Street, which was quite near Patrick Street and if I took a chance and tried to stay awake at night I could look out my front window up towards Patrick Street and on a clear night you could hear the inspector blow his whistle at 11.15 and then the buses would depart Patrick Street for their various destinations.
0: They would not move an inch till the inspector blew the whistle.
11: That was the last bus and most of those buses would have come from Various terminuses around the city. I How old have, were you? About eight, was it? I was eight or nine at the time, yeah. So you'd
2: look
0: up Winthrop Street, you'd have well, Cudmore's Sweets Street. and Fruit Shop on the left, and you'd look right up the. Well,
11: the yard. I, lived, I lived in Winthrop Street, and when I looked up, we could see the old Cudmore's shop on the corner right? Yeah. And directly in front of that then was Patrick Street itself, and the buses, he blew, his, He dead blow the whistle at 11.15, and the buses would depart then, and you'd see the cavalcade. Now, let me say, at one stage, they used to be jockeying for position to hit the front, to get out, <laughs> to get up into the Grand Parade, or the South Mall, or, or Washington Street, as the case may be. <laughs> it
0: was like a Grand Prix. <laughs>
11: yeah. It was more or less like a Grand but done in safety at the time. Very, very safe at the time But there was jockey in far position at the time You could hear the buses revving, revving their engines And remember, they were old buses as such at the start They were old buses So they physically had a, a, a loud sound from their engine As distinct from the modern buses that came in shortly That's afterwards it.
0: And you know, can I ask you a question As a young 8-year-old, did that plane, eight or nine? did that plant the seed That you wanted to drive buses when you grew up?
11: Well, my father worked in CA before me. He worked in a, in, in a department in CA which no longer exists. It was the cartage. They were the people that had horses and they delivered the stuff around town, the, the goods around town to various shops, but it was done on a horse and a dray. Go away. Yeah, yeah. So I always had a uniform uh, attached to the house as such, and uh, I was very, very proud. I then went to work. Originally, I went to work as a junior in CAE. And I worked in Albert Key in the, in the area offices in Albert Key uh, as a junior. That's right. Doing the jobs and getting messages and doing what was needed around that particular office until I moved on to an office called the operating office, which was based in the railway. And after that, I moved on to a mobile. I had a Heinkel scooter when I started <laughs> uh, as a mobile um, junior and my first one of my jobs i had to do every day would be to collect the roster uh, at the capwell and drop them off at various locations capwell just no, not uh, the statue yeah. and panel place
0: go away You're a bit of yeah so you were a bit of a messenger boy at the time so. i
11: was i was a, a glorified messenger boy with a beautiful red Heinkel scooter and a lovely leather, <laughs> lovely leather You were me ring, Daza.
0: Yeah. You were me Daza.
11: And so, a silver helmet.
0: And so and you, you then ended up driving buses. They'd have been the oh. old buses with the open back and the po and the bar- and the bar and uh, a conductor on board. Yeah,
11: correct. I, 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 I went driving in. I went driving in seventy three, the year that I got married. I went driving in in seventy three. And uh, they were just phasing out. Then the R type. They were an R type bus. That was the, the designation number R type. Uh, and they had, they had uh, we, we had conductors after that, of course, as well. But we actually had the old type bus with the bar and and. Uh, the, um, the conductor had
0: know. a bell then, a button, and the bell would ring well, in your cabin. Well, that's where the
11: famous, to... the famous Jackie Lyons comes into his nickname, Jackie the Bell. I would be <laughs> familiar with Jackie. I, I would have been friends with Jackie down through the air as such. Irish Jack, yeah. Big friend yeah. of the Who,
0: actually, from all his life.
11: So very, he... much atta- very much attached to the Who, but Jackie was an extraordinary guy in his own way. See Jackie was a shall we say we'd say no. He was ahead of his time in certain areas. Great guy. So yeah, you did obviously. your you
0: did your shifts. Did you ever get any bit of dag?
11: Well, I t- I I wasn't into it in a big way. No, there's a reason for that. But that's neither here nor there. But dag was uh, <laughs> overtime uh, as such, like uh, as such. You mentioned two o'clock spare. What, what is ha- two o'clock spare at the statue? I, I tell you what two o'clock spare the statue would have been. <laughs> at one stage, there would have been a number of buses parked outside the, where the Mangans clocked. We'd say two or three empty buses that would have crews waiting on them inside in the hut that if a route got extraordinarily busy and there were crowds standing, we say, for Mayfield or for Bishopstone or for Number 3 or Blackrock Number 2, there'd be a crew sent over from the hut into the, into the, the, the spare bus oh that would go down God. and take the auxiliary run before the service car arrived. To and pick
0: up the spillover of people yes. waiting for a bus, the 2 o'clock spare at the statue was the and extra bus. The
11: was. There was 2 o'clock, half past 2, Four o'clock.
0: Spares. Wasn't that it, very smart thinking, though? All the same.
11: Well, it, 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 it what it did, it suited the needs of of the operation at the time, right? Yeah. Where, particularly where 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 the housing estates were beginning to, to develop. Yeah, and and we really hadn't measured the the amount of people that were travelling by bus. And the normal route and the normal service may not cater for that. The That's right. And in not. the
0: day when you were driving 69 to 82, a lot of shopping was done in the city. It's moved to the suburbs a lot more. But what was life like in the hut itself then? Because I heard it was a a, a, a drafty, damp old place.
11: Well, the hut itself was approximately about four, 14 feet long. And down near the end of the hut, the back end of the hut, there was a counter where the inspector stayed stood inside there, or sat inside there, giving instructions or, or, or taking orders as the as case may be. And out in front of that, then, were a row of shelves that contained that the boxes that the conductors used at that time, because there was very little there was only one or two one-man bus routes that time. But conductors would leave their boxes in there when they were going yeah. for their lunch yeah. or when they were going for for their break and collect them afterwards. But there were shelves, timber shelves, that were there. There were a number of uh, cabinets around the hotel that contained the notices, the company notices. And bearing in mind, we now refer to it as Air, but at that time it was CIE. And it covered, you know, it covered not just... Bus operation, but there were other notices that came in from yeah, other departments yeah, as well.
0: Yeah, so, and bus rolls and all sorts and, um, and uh, well, bus, they were, ticket they, machines and things.
11: There were bus, bus rolls there to replenish anybody that might. But the, every morning when a, when a conductor would collect his box in Capwell, there'd be a certain number of bus rolls inside in the box already. But if he decide, if he ran out of them during the course of the day, he could go in and replenish them from the hotel such.
0: Yeah, it's sadly missed, though. How do you feel about the fact that it's languishing now and uh, it's just going to rack and ruin in Fitzgerald's Park?
11: Well, I have to say that it's pitiful to see it where it is. I'm all for modernisation. It's, it's our future. Modernization is our future. But you must also attempt to keep contact with our heritage. And the hut would have been one of the heritage spots, as I would have felt. Because it's not uh,
0: just... A, it's not actually a hut. It's quite ornate. It would look beautiful if it well, was done
11: Well, it on. was... Uh, it, it was... And that's where the cost of repli- replenishing would come in. It was uh, more or less a kind of wrought iron body as such, and some of the panels were actually metal panels, They, 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 they the walls of it would have been metal uh, metal panels as such, and that's where, that's where the, where the uh, cost of the... Of, I of know,
0: food. I mean, it was badly damaged in a fire, it's also been vandalised since it moved to Fitzchars Park, just reading from <laughs> Tripp and Trishine. So finally, in 1973, you got married, and the reception was to be in, was it the country club?
11: The country club... You, so, I you... got I got married in Bellevue Anne Church, and uh, we left the church and we proceeded in towards the, the city centre, up George's Quay and when we got up to the South Mall end over Panel Bridge, when we got to the South Mall end, the most direct route for a bus driver or a conductor as would have been turn right down the South Mall and along Panel Place and over towards the hotel. Yeah. But instead of that, the bus turned left and went down to the Grand Parade and I kind of pondered. Now, you might say, I had very little on my mind to be saying, where is the car going? But <laughs> I was thinking, I said, "Like, why are we going this way? Like, why, not the, why not the other the way? Limo the limo
0: ended up going down Patrick Street, yeah.
11: Which ended up going down Patrick Street. And we arrived down on Patrick Street, outside the hut, and the car stopped. Now... It could have stopped in traffic, in my estimation. Bearing in mind I was sitting in the back seat, and bearing in mind I, I, I it stopped outside, and very soon a couple of my colleagues came out and covered the car with bus rolls and <laughs> pelted the, pelted the car with with their uh, spent bus rolls. It's better than
0: you know. it's better than confetti or rice, isn't
11: it? Well, it, well, I tell you, it was totally unexpected, and I can I up to now, although I heard. Earlier on this morning, who the culprit could have been, right? It wasn't Piece
0: of Cake or his son Crumbs, no?
11: Well, I, I, that's a very good... I can remember Piece of Cake. I work with, with, with Piece of Cake. But I don't remember Crumbs. But I do remember another driver there called Forty Sheep. And he had a son... Which was called twenty, and he had a younger son which was called ten. So it was 15, 20 and ten. And uh, I, I, I actually I do remember. i will be good to them, though. I remember. To, I remember them as as, as such. But nicknames were very popular in 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 the uh, in, in on the buses, including my own. I I had a nickname myself, and and, and it was. Com- I I was commonly known at one stage as Let It With Me. Let It With Me. Now the reason for that was quite simple. I was very much involved uh, uh, I was very much involved in the trade union movement at the time, and if somebody gave me a question that I couldn't Land answer, me. I would never give them an answer that suited them. I'd, if I didn't know the answer, I'd say, let it whip me, and I'll come back to you with an answer. <laughs> because right. that, like, we wouldn't have been experienced enough to know everything. Ah, yeah,
0: let it with me, let it with me. Yeah, well, you, you had a better nickname than I did when I was a kid. Mine was Nelly the Elephant. Go figure that one.
11: Well, again, you know, I, I started my life in Blackpool, in Greater <laughs> Brain Street. I was born in Greater Brain Street. Uh, I, I started my life in Blackpool. Actually, I was born in, in Mick Moriarty's house, sixth grace on <laughs>
0: Mulbrain Street. That's Go where way. I was born. Oh my God! Great stories this morning, Jackie. Thanks so much for taking the call. Cheers, Pat. Thanks, Neil. Super. And good morning. And I just good chat with uh, Take Care, Maria. Actually, our late dad, Michael O'Leary. What was his nickname, Maria?
12: His nickname was actually Pint Bottler because oh. he never drank anything else;
0: only pints of Guinness. Oh, a pint um, bottle of Guinness. Well, I mean, would he not have drank a of pint Guinness. of draft? No.
12: No, 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 no. Had to be a pint bottle. That, that. And everybody knew him as a pint bottle. Um, so he was a great character, really, on the bus. He <laughs> walked there for 30 years. And um, he oh, had great stories. Every single week he came home with a story, a different story. Did he love his job? I mean, when he came oh, home, he wasn't whinging or
0: complaining in the stories. They were he great absolutely
12: stories. absolutely loved it. And he was a great man for the overtime. And I worked myself and wrote stores stories for years. And I knew a lot of the bus drivers that used to be coming in and out. And they'd say to me, and I'm one of seven brothers and sisters, and they'd say to me, how did your dad find the time for the overtime with all the (laughs) children he managed to, uh, to produce over the years? We used to, he was a, a great character, as they say. Dad, uh, as,
0: as the women used to say, all he had to do was hang up his coat.
12: <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. But um, on a number of occasions, Neil, my dad would have arrived up at my door. I was the eldest of seven, and I was the first to get married, and um, with girls that would have been left miss their buses or miss <laughs> their connections, and he'd spot them at the the bus station. And he'd arrive up here to my house, and he'd say, "Would you put up that girl? I couldn't leave her in the bus station. Where else was she supposed to go?" Oh my god! And I put up some American girls on, on more than one occasion here at my house, and um, he'd get letters then from from their parents or letters from them to say thanks very much. And, what a
0: character! What a great character! Oh, he was character. a great
12: character. He was a great character. Pint bottle, I had a of, yeah. I had a couple of accidents over the years, but up to the day he died, always said he never, um, never crashed the bus. One time he went into the bus the train station and forgot he was driving the double decker (laughs) and hit the he thought he was on a single decker and hit the top off the bus. So You know what? We have great memories. He loved it. He loved meeting people. It was fantastic. He was great, a great character.
0: On the buses. So
12: obviously your your previous caller there entered my um that's what I texted about originally about the the two o'clock spare. Two o'clock
0: spare at the statue. Know I know what exactly about. what it is now. I really do. Yeah, and where yeah, would he yeah, go yeah. for his pint bottle? Did he have a particular pub?
12: Um, he would go into the North Main Street there. Um, I can't. It's kind of a young person's pub now. I can't even think of it. Um, but like he loved. He, he was meet his brother and his brother-in-law, and they'd go to the Capwell, the Capwell pub there over there. He'd just be in, um, in Douglas Street that's at one time right to Capwell Cap yeah, 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 yeah yeah
0: yeah, fantastic stories I wonder yeah, yeah. I wonder if we can get anybody else sharing stories of when they were on the buses because yeah. it's a great story and, and they all hot then which I suppose you'd be amongst the people that would love to see it back
12: oh yeah but sure listen I worked in, in, in town all my working life I worked in all the stores and that was a big part of Patrick Street as well I suppose myself when I was in and out
0: uh, do you work in the morning. same department there all your life or did you move around
12: I moved around as I when I started in Rocha Stores in 1974. I worked in the cake shop.
0: Oh, we just you I mean, that must have yeah,
13: been enough.
12: Yeah, bar, across the road there, and um, I worked then in the hardware, and then I finished up in the supermarket. So I spent forty six years. I only left last year. Isn't that I amazing? I finished up last year.
0: Isn't that amazing? So great
12: memories as well of to stores. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
0: So, were you, th- were you there? Were you there through Debenhams then as well?
12: I was there two Debenhams but I was working in the supermarket at that stage so Super Value at that stage Ben
0: took over Gotcha yeah I mean I remember the as a small prices, boy I used yeah. to go into the coffee shop in Roach's Tours with yes, my mother yes, it was a big yes. treat we get one of those little All do you remember the little treat? trifles yeah. you get in the plastic cups tiny yeah. little ones
12: uh, they used to have little silver cups with the ice cream inside in it as well. I remember loads of people used to be telling me about that back in the day. That
0: must have been a happy place to work.
12: Yeah, all was great. Roaches were great employers. They were well. great
0: employers. They were great, and they were great to their customers as well.
12: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You so could... listen, just as I heard you this morning, I said, "Look, my dad was a great character and loved the buses, and we, as a family, all down through the years, had stories upon stories upon stories that had come in every single week with something that happened and." people he met so I just felt I'd ring You're him.
0: well capable of passing on a great story on yeah, behalf of yeah, Pine Bottle yeah. Thanks Maria Cheers Thanks, Take Virginia. care Thanks Bye The Neil
2: Prenderville Show on Twitter at
0: Neil Red FM, uh, Dave Mack is down at Penny Dinners. We were talking to Penny about Penny Dinners uh, earlier on this morning and the work of uh, Katrina Toomey and I want to check in with him because he's bringing down quite an amount of dosh. But just ahead of that, um, you know we're talking about traditions and beliefs and paganism yesterday on the air. I wonder running with you your listeners have ever heard about when a small bird gets trapped in a house that it signifies that a loved one will die. It unfortunately has come true on some occasions for some of my family members. I vividly remember um, probably in the late 90s, I think my grandfather was waiting on a sick relative to pass away. I was sitting in the living room of his house in Crosshaven and a bird flew in through the narrowly opened window. I excitedly ran in to tell my granddad that there was a bird in the room. He replied, Please do not tell me it was a robin. It was. It still stays with me to this day. Another that's um, let make the hair stand on the back of your neck. Another one here. The reason for new shoes not being on a table is that if you put new shoes on the table, somebody important will walk out of your life, or there will be a death. I mean, which would you pick—the death or somebody walking out of your life? Uh, Depends on the person, I suppose. Uh, Neil, I once passed a slow line of moving traffic near Tesco in Wilton. It was only when I got to the roundabout, having passed it, that I realised it was a funeral. You know, sometimes people don't realize until they've already passed the funeral. It's not road rage, I suppose, is what Mark is saying. It's not that they're being inconsiderate. It's sometimes they don't realize it until they've passed it. Pat says, there will be no funeral for me. It'll be straight to the crematorium. The ashes will be put in a modeled Viking longboat, set on fire and sent to sea to the music of the Beatles across the universe. That's certainly well planned out there, Pat. In fairness to you. And then, um, of course, sometimes I can do no right. Most of the time, I wish it was that we could do no wrong. But typical of you, Neil, to have a cheap, bigoted pop off the Catholic Church yet again. You're as quiet as a mouse regarding other religions, aren't you? It's shameful stuff, says Sean Spillane. But Paddy says, with regards to the way it used to be thousands of years ago, he says, we used to worship the sun in this country, which means it must have been here quite a bit back then. Then Christianity arrived. And the sun fecked off, <laughs> says Paddy. I love that kind of cork humour, so thank you for it. Anyway, as mentioned, we chatted on the air yesterday with Katrina Toomey and the idea of, of penny dinners providing uh, communion dresses to families of young girls and little girls who literally can't afford to dress their daughter themselves. You guys were brilliant um, in the recent months, particularly over Christmas, when we uh, teamed up with uh, Cork Penny Dinners, for our Red FM Donate a Dinner campaign. It's always good to follow up and see how things went. So Dave Mack joins me from Penny Dinners. Mack, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? And I'm good. And I think you've got a happy event on underway this morning. You're handing over the cheque. Absolutely.
14: Ten grand handed over to Cork Penny Dinners on behalf of Cork's Red FM. And Insight Insurance, we ran our Donate a Dinner campaign for the second year and the people of Cork were as generous as they always are. What
0: were they expected to do over the Christmas people that raised 10 grand? Yes, so I suppose the concept
14: began through COVID when we were thinking that people weren't going to be able to have their Christmas parties and it was like, you know, instead of uh, going and having a dinner on your company, how about you donate the cost of a dinner to Penny Dinners? As little as seven fifty would have fed someone for Christmas. That was what we rolled off a couple of years back and we decided to continue it this year uh, and, and people were you know, very generous, as they as they are. In fairness, like Cork Penny Dinners, what a Cork institution. Yeah. It's incredible the work that they do. But the support that Cork people give us is also very laudable, I think, and admirable. I mean, if
0: 750 can feed a family Christmas dinner, could you imagine what 10,000 euro will do to the funding of Cork Penny Dinners?
14: Absolutely. Katrina gave us a little tour around of the new training centre, Neil. I'm not sure if she mentioned that yesterday. Fabulous, fabulous facility that they've developed. off On their own back, on the money donated by court people again a uh, uh, computer room there's a training facility uh there's a, a full food training facility but also just a room for general meetings we met michael in there who's uh, currently in recovery they host recovery sessions on a tuesday thursday and i think sunday for people to come in and help each other and it just it's a really great resource isn't it they've uh, it's not quite a step-down facility, but they've got a house uh, alongside it where they have six people living in there that, that, that they're supporting through through uh, difficult times, as they do. And it just really, every time you talk to Katrina or hear what Cork Penny Dinners do, you just have to take your hat off to them.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, Katrina is front and centre, and she's the spokesperson and mm. the driving force, mm. but many volunteers get yeah. on board, and they're always exactly. encouraging people to give of their time as volunteers. So a happy event this morning they must be over the moon.
14: Absolutely. Barbara of Insight Insurance, Barbara McDonagh, who came to Red FM and asked would be, be a part of this. She volunteers her time herself. and uh, Katrina spoke about the number of chefs that are donating their time to to, to, to train people in that facility on good nutrition and on, 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 on how to prepare food well and yeah, again, you just have to take your hat off
0: to people that are willing to do that. Well done, pal. I'll let you get on with it. That's a 10,000 check. That's one half. A, that's certainly a check that won't bounce smack. So off you go. <laughs> it over. Take care. Dave Mack at Penny Dinners this morning. Morning. I have a beautiful communion dress with two cardigans. How can I help? How can I give all the pieces to Penny Dinners, says Magda? Well, you can do that, the beautiful communion dress and the two cardigans by literally bringing it in, bringing them in to Penny Dinners on Hanover Street. You're just literally going down Washington Street on the right-hand side, take a right turn on Hanover Street, and you're there. Uh, I'd like to purchase and donate a Tesco Tesco voucher to Katie, who emailed you regarding her husband's gambling addiction. The voucher to help feed her four kids for a week. Please advise me as to how I can do this, says John. That is so kind of you. Thank you. Um, I, I will try and sort that out when I get off the air. Emer might have done it or maybe, maybe, maybe Seamus, but we can certainly get that voucher and work out how it can, uh, can be passed on. You're very kind. But Brendan wanted to pick up also on Katie's story about her husband who, and he's a misfortune and he wants help and she wants to help as well. And I gave out some uh, helpline numbers. Um, yesterday, But uh, Brendan says, can you advise the lady whose partner is gambling to contact her internet service provider and her partner's mobile phone company and have them put a block on any access to gambling sites or downloading of any related apps? They have a duty of care to you to do this. Thank you, Brendan. I didn't even know that that could be done. I didn't know it could be done and I don't even know if it can be done effectively but you're suggesting that it can so thank you for that advice as well we'll pick it up after the break thank you Lennon standing by and Laura and then we'll get into a couple of proposals have a bit of fun in that regard for our, our daily prizes from the Cork International Hotel back in a minute
2: calling Red FM studio call the new number Oh, 0818104106 oh, oh, JJ O'Donoghue of Tripe and Drasheen
0: did a deep dive on the 120 year old busman's hut from Patrick Street that is now languishing and rotting away up at uh, Fitzjars Park. Um, they don't have a plan for it, but I'm suggesting that as in urgently, even if they don't have a plan, they should certainly put a plan together instigated to protect it from the elements to stop. The rot, uh, because we want something done with that. And many, many people down through the years the fond memories of the hut and indeed the buses, and that eleven fifteen takeoff in particular. For the last bus, Leonard uh, Kelly was forty-three years on the buses. Leonard, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Can, How are you? Can I ask you a question first, for fear that I would forget? When did, when yeah. did women then start driving the buses, and when did women then start working as conductors and what have you? Because no. it was very much a man's domain, wasn't it?
15: 1979 1980 Neil, we, we got the first three ladies in now they had they had already started driving in Dublin on Dublin bus and uh, which was still CIE at the time but we got three yeah, yeah. yeah we, no, was nine, no, 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 no they came in in 1979 1980 as conductors
0: i vaguely remember some years back talking to one of the women who actually started driving a cie bus they were actually
15: God. they were actually known as Charlie's angels trained <laughs> by Charlie ha! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, the three three girls were known as Charlie's Angels. Perfect. Bridget, Bridget O'Regan. She's own by hand Where <laughs> poor Geraldine poor Geraldine Toomey passed away, and another girl is living in the Scarlet somewhere. Charlie's Angels. They were the they were the first three girls. Oh, And uh, then we but well, we had we had the female. There was a girl driving in Dublin before, just before that. But getting back to the hut, the hut was renovated in about 1982-83. was an extension put onto it. Go away, I didn't know that. And, and I think that may, might have been the, why the heritage side of it is, was lost, you know. And it still, it still should be restored, but it, there was an extension put onto it, Neil. Uh, I think, you think when they were putting an extension in the 80s they'd have put a toilet into it, wouldn't you? No, well, well you see, it was it was, actually only, you know, it was actually only a actually and a watch, but, as you know, originally. Um, but um, there was an extension plan to it, and the crews used to go to the other side, of it, and at that side, and the inspector was on the, on the other side. But it was a vital thing for the inspector because he stood at the doorway, and I heard, don't know there. they were going, he was on boat, swinging. Well, you see, now, we have new satellite systems on our buses. And, you know, the cockpit used saw obviously before. You only come in bunches, you only come in bunches. But, well, we have a system now which prevents that which they can, they're supposed to see and they can see if there's, if the traffic is very heavy and there's three number eights coming down from Mayfield together, they can they can tell them over the air to, you know, walk back as far as the city centre. And you, you if you remember of old, you, or, or the conductor saying, statue only, statue only. I know, but I just uh, wonder if on.
0: back in the day when you were driving buses, there was the same amount of criticism of buses being late as there is, say, now. I mean, people see the computerised systems at the bus stops, but they're not all that accurate, I'm told, you know?
15: No, no no, Maybe that's still traffic. There. that's traffic. Maybe still that's there and just yeah, yeah, this name still there anyway, number one. Are yeah. That's number one. I am still there. <laughs> um, and uh, the, the, like traffic will always be a problem no matter how we you know how we deal with it. I've always asked, I've always posed the questions to people that, especially on a radio station, you know, that would ring in and say, The bus is late every morning and the people who should actually ring in are, are motorists, car owners. Because you got a car owner living up in Donnybrook, like yourself from you live Doctor there Douglas or yeah, anyone yeah. living in the Anyone living in the suburbs and they come out, they can't even get out of their house in in some areas now to yeah, get on the, the buses in spite the of the traffic. bus lanes. Well, the, yeah. well, it's not actually because the bus has to stop every couple of hundred yards to pick up people, so he's going to be longer again, you know. So, true enough you know, did, traffic is, yeah, yeah. Did you have a nickname Tra- then? Did I have a nickname? I not that I know of, but I can tell you that Jackie Pearson had two nicknames. The other nickname was. Tell him I'm not here, that's the size of <laughs> Tell him I'm not here, or else... <laughs> Tell him I'm not here. Or yeah. else I'll get back um, to you. <laughs> but the, the hut, uh, like, you know... Leave it, it, so with, much me, histori- leave it with me, it had, Yeah, it has so much historical side to it as well, because even Shook on Taoiseach, Michael and, you know, boasted when he was going on an election that he used to go to meet his father there and go for spins and meet him at the statue hut. So the, the statue hut goes back, you know, well before busmen had it in firemen, had it in tram drivers, had it. It goes back, you it, know, it's... What it boils down to is, you know, we were talking about penny the nursery. We're going on, oh, you're sitting, you know, people and the hardships that people are facing in the city. and now we're talking about restoring something, but we should, we should still have to restore things because we have to keep it, you know, for for our heritage. We have to keep, I you know, the so. store.
0: I think so. I think so. And, I think it, and it's not and as if it's, it's not as if it's a, a disgusting, ugly-looking thing. It's actually a beautiful no, piece no, of ornate no, history made know, in the eighteen nineties.
15: Yes, and if it was if it was put together properly, it could, it could have stored timetables on, on the outside, which the day. and on the you know it's, it, it can do you know it can be fine. Are, are you forty three years driving buses then? I no, I, I, I mean it was a conductor in nineteen seventy nine, <laughs> just after the strike during the, 1978, the Christmas strike in seventy eight with the, the armed We started oh, and I, I started that. then. Yeah, yeah that. after that. Yeah, no, I've been on two before. As you
0: know, you must uh, you know you must know every route in the city, every byway, every shortcut, every street. Well,
15: well, not knowing if they put me back in the city now, I wouldn't know half the routes because I'm I'm out I'm outside in Whitegate. I'm in a different different. I'm out on outside of the city altogether, completely. But you must have seen no.
0: incredible design improvements in buses down through the years. Did you?
15: Um, well, when Joe Fitzgerald was there, it it rocketed really. It's when when I, when I, he's retired a few years now. When when Joe went into did we say. The top job inside in, in 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 the garage, like when he was in charge of it, uh, we saw huge changes. And he, all he wanted to do was expand, expand. Yeah, you know,
0: yeah, very approachable um, guy actually in Ferns But because yeah. because ah, no. was thought yeah. for years that we used to get Dublin's cast-off buses. Was that true?
15: Well, n- not when he not when he took the realm. Now, to be honest, not when he took. You know, uh, and that's true uh, to this day. You know we still get buses out in Dublin, which is part of uh, the cycle. Who want our own new to, ones? <laughs> Yeah, but, we're, we're, the, the, but he was the one who insisted that we get to see Regis on our buses, you, yes, you know, you see him on them now. Well done, Jonas, Gerald. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, no, no, but uh, we had, you know, I've seen changes like on the expressways where we had a, a bus every four hours summer, and then all of a sudden, we were having the bus every hour, you know? I we the bus, you. With, with our only service in Walford and Limerick to Galway. He expanded a lot of buses. We expanded a lot of the buses. I remember sitting across the table from actually and he said to me, "I'm going, we're going to negotiate with the city council about park and ride. And I said, well, where are you going to park them? And he said, up by the dump. And I can still <laughs> remember laughing at the fact that he uh, uh, wanted the, want the people to park a bus up by the dump and get the uh, bus in. And look, at the, it's, it's still there this day. He like was so. a
0: man of vision, I can tell you. Leonard, I'm going to clip ahead there, but it's lovely chatting with you. Thanks for the memories. Yeah,
15: listen, and just on the last one. When Pint bottle retired, we gave him, we brought him down to Collins Pub in Douglas Street, so his <laughs> daughter might be listening, and we brought him 65 Pint Bottles.
0: 65? <laughs> on tick? I so, suppose on tick, he could have them any time he wanted. Tick. <laughs> yeah.
15: Listen, tick, you know. Bye. Great Bye.
0: stories, I just love them. Leonard Kelly, thank you for that. Lots then with regards to romance and uh, wedding proposals and what have you. This is courtesy of yourselves in the Cork International Hotel. One night stay for two people. Welcome drinks, breakfast uh, and uh, evening dinner as well, a three course dinner. Or you could Swap that for their fabulous Sunday lunch. Everybody else should check out the Sunday lunch at the Cork International Hotel food is terrific there. Uh, So that's based on uh, your stories. Here's a couple of quick ones. I met my now husband when I was 15. He worked in O'Donovan's Butchers on Princess Street. My mum sent me in for chicken fillets and it was love at first sight for me anyway. I kept going in weekly for meat and chicken until two years later I eventually asked him out. Well good for you to be doing the asking. One of the best I ever heard, my friend Lisa and Nigel Toomey from Parklands got a restaurant voucher for Christmas. Nigel being a hopeless romantic decided to bring Lisa. Lisa for a romantic expensive meal, had a lovely meal, a few extra drinks to the value of the voucher. At the end, they handed over the voucher. They were in the wrong restaurant. So thank you for that. We actually heard that story on air yesterday. So that one certainly is doing the rounds. I met my husband who was going out with his brother. <laughs> his brother was going out with three or four more unsuspecting women at the time. And Joe was being sent to tell me that his brother was working eventually he told me the truth and asked me out and at that stage i'd begun to fancy him he passed away nearly six months ago and i miss him so much we'll be married 44 years in november says marie isn't that six line text just absolutely incredible there's a whole lifetime in that text there really and truly is including uh, the two-timing three-timing four-timing brother thank you for that marie and our thoughts are with you to the phone lines we go though laura good morning
3: Hi, how are you?
0: Uh, this would be hard to beat. You met him in a car crash? Or the, or the relationship yeah. was a car
3: crash? which <laughs> I don't know. Maybe all of the above. <laughs> what happened? Um, so, yeah, I met him at a car crash. I think it was one night between Christmas and New Year's around 2008. I was at a friend's house in Bartlemy, which is like a tiny little rural village. Yeah. Um, we were up at a friend's house, a few of the girls just having tea. And it was about it was around midnight when we left that night. So it's country roads. We drove down the hill from Bartlemy to Reckormack, and that would bring you onto the Middleton Road by the River Bride footbridge. Yeah. But there's kind of a fork in the road there, and some girl went straight across the road. She must have been at a T-junction, and she went straight across the road into a ditch. So she was fine, by the way. But we were driving down the road, and next thing we said there's a girl and there's a car in the ditch you know so yeah so we reversed back and we got out and we talked to the girl and she was okay she was a bit shook and she said that she was after ringing her brother she was from Middleton her brother was going to come and get her but of course this was the middle of nowhere on country roads he couldn't find her so one of the girls got into the car and sat with the girl who had crashed and we told her to ring her brother and tell him that we would meet him at the spar shop in Rack-Hormug. Yeah. so we went up to spar and her brother pulled in beside us and my husband was in the car with him, and I thought, Oh, hello, your future he husband, me, yeah, my future husband. Yeah, oh, hello. he told me, oh, I was like, No, I didn't say it, but I thought to myself, Oh, oh hello, in- right. well, uh, what <laughs> that means actually
0: is interesting,
3: yeah. Oh. So he told me after when he put down the window, he saw me and he went, he said to his friend, Nice, <laughs> <laughs> so, so we brought him down to the crash, they were busy, you know, with a rope and pulling out the car and all that, and um. I thought he was gorgeous, you know. I'd been telling my friends previous to that that there was fine-looking fellas in Middleton. I was saying that we have to go down to Middleton some night. Then after that, I was saying, I'm going to start throwing a banana skin out here in the Middleton Road, and I'll see what I can catch in future, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> that was that. That was Christmas time. And then go on to Paddy's Day, um, I have a stepsister that lives in Middleton. She's from Middleton. And I was down there with her. I went out with her on Paddy's Day. And we were walking down to the pub, and I was telling her the story about the car crash and this gorgeous fella I'd met there one night from Middleton and we went into the pub and next thing he came into the pub behind us and oh I said to her oh my god. god that's him and she said oh I know him I used to record he's sister in super value <laughs> so we got talking and that was it did he remember record you? History. Um yeah yeah he's he actually he was in the pub across the road and he saw me walking into the pub and ah, he followed me over. All
0: right. It was destined to happen, wasn't it?
3: <laughs> it was destined to happen. Yeah. So Maybe how come so. We,
0: how come so it's he proposed to you not you to him, was it, Laura?
3: Yeah, yeah. Where? Yeah. So we actually ended up moving to Australia then and um, we got engaged. We were living in Australia for a couple of years, few years, and we got engaged on my birthday in the Barossa Valley. We were after renting out a cottage down there for the weekend. My birthday is in July, so it would be winter in Australia, you know, so we yeah. went away down there yeah. for a couple of days and he actually was after organising a hot air balloon ride, and he was going to propose on that, but it got cancelled, thank God. Now, I didn't know he was going to propose, but I knew about the hot air balloon, but I'd say I'd have fallen off the balloon if <laughs> <when> it had happened. <laughs> but, um, that sounds like And the,
0: the plan then was to go to Hawaii, I think, was it, or the Seychelles or something?
3: Oh, for the wedding married? then, we were thinking, yeah, so we'd get married somewhere halfway, but we actually came back to Ireland and we got married. We got married two years after we got engaged, and, um, we came home kind of around January, February. So we got married in June. We came home to January and February, the year before that. Yeah. 2014. And, um, and isn't the Vienna the most the beautiful wedding. hotel, isn't it? Yeah. So we planned all the wedding and all of that. And that was all great. And so we thought we had two years in advance. Everything is sweet. So then the wedding day came and we just had loads of crazy things happen on that day. But sure, that's fine.
0: That was uh... a... <laughs> a tree f- fell across the drive, blocked anyone from coming to the wedding, I think, was it?
3: Yeah, so on the morning of the wedding, first of all, there was, we were down having breakfast <laughs> and we saw an eyeball in the stove and something moving and we said, what in the name of God is that? And there was a big massive. Jackdaw after getting into the stove like a massive blackbird. Oh, no. so my mother just picked it up and walked out of the kitchen and released it. She came back in, her hand was bleeding. Oh, no. So we saying, Oh my gosh. So then we got to the ceremony and we did all that. We got back to the hotel. I was after having a headpiece made in Sydney and I went I had my veil on. I wanted to take off the veil and put on the headpiece, but of course we forgot it. So my friend with my hairdresser as well, she said, Look, I'll go back to Rakwarmic, I'll get the headpiece. So I was like, Oh, thank you so the much, drama, you know? Of it. So next thing she came back in, she goes, "I can't go out." And I said, "Why?" And she goes, "There's a tree after falling down, and it's after blocking the entrance." I said, "What?" And we were like, "Are we on a television show or what?" <laughs> this is like something that happened on Home and Away. My, friend, my cousin was going. um, Her husband was working. We got married on a Friday. He was coming over after work. She was like, um, "No, he's outside, but he can't get, he in. Can't get in. Nobody could get in. Did the guests Nobody get in? Get eventually? Get so the, yeah, eventually we had to get the tree cut down. But sure, the staff had a chainsaw; they didn't know how to use it. Oh my the god! The and I also heard that
0: I also heard that somebody lost the money to pay the wedding suppliers. Somebody well, hid it and me. couldn't find it.
3: So I, I, in the morning, I had envelopes. They all wanted cash, like so. I had envelopes with cash for everybody, and without even thinking, I must have done it in a daze. In the morning, I hid. I just put it all under a pillow to keep it safe, there. Oh but I forgot that I did it. But so then I was going to pay the photographer and I was like, oh, I don't know where the money is. I don't know where it under is. Under the pillow! I, it. I found it eventually, but I just I couldn't even remember putting all it under right. the pillow. Unbelievable drama.
0: That's a day you'll always remember. Listen, a great story. Hang in there. I wish I had more time to natter, but I want to have a quick chat with Pamela as well if you wouldn't mind. Pamela, good morning.
13: Good morning, how well, are you? Would you
0: describe it as a romantic story? I
13: don't know if was quite romantic, but it was something...
0: just move around a bit, because we're talking about 2018, where you actually were at a ball, is it?
13: We were. We went to the Bumblings Ball, which was actually in the Cork International Hotel as well at the time. Yeah. So we got a group of us together, got all fancy dressed up and rented a table for the night. So it was great fun up there. A
0: bit too uh, much fun, I think I'd say.
13: I think a bit too much, yeah. The drink was flowing very well, I must say. They took care of us mighty up there. Um, and they had one of those, you know, the selfie mirrors where you stand and you put on the silly hats and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So off myself and himself went and we were standing in front of the selfie mirror. And I was a, a bit worse for wear at that stage. And I went down the moon me, and he kind of looked at me and he came down funny and all my friends were standing in the background. And he came down funny and he was like, Pam, he goes, uh, are, are, are you proposing or have you felt it? And I said, You know what? Are
0: you proposing you or what? It, Did you collapse well, from I
13: have the like dream? <laughs> I'm <laughs> And that was it. I said, do you know what, will we just get married? And he went, what? I said, do. Let's do it. Let's just do it. Let's just get married. So he said, yes. <laughs> and I said, well, look, we can't really get to tell anybody um, because my brother lives in America and he was getting married in 2019. And we have two little girls. So it has always been, you know, kind of about us and the kids because he's no kids at the time or anything like that. I said, so we'll keep it quiet until we come to the wedding in America. And we'll announce it after that.
0: Yeah, but I'm, I, I, that's fine. I understand that. But how did you feel the next? Clearly, you had another few drinks went to bed. <laughs> oh,
13: I did. I fell into the bed. Um, and the next morning, he kind of looked at me and he went, are you awake? long? he said, do you remember what you asked me last night? I said, I do remember. I said, and weren't you the fool fool to say yes, you're stuck <laughs> with me now.
0: <laughs> so you did remember and you didn't I did regret it.
5: This.
13: I didn't regret it we went uh, a year later we were going on the plane over to America as we do to the brother's wedding and we were going to go to Disney with kids afterwards and we said we'll do it there and we'll announce it from there and it'll be lovely so we're flying over and about halfway through the flight he stops and he looks at me and he said you're not going to believe what I've done and I said what did you do I left the ring on the bedside locker at home (laughs) I was like well we can't really tell anybody so can we (laughs) He ruined my lovely picture of Disney with no ring.
0: (laughs) What did she use for a ring?
13: we didn't use anything we kept it a secret we went, to we went to Disney and came back and at Christmas we booked the hotel and we booked everything and at Christmas we got the invites and put it into everybody's Christmas presents oh my and god this morning when they opened up their presents they had their wedding invites and great that, story it was a year and a half later everybody found out that we were married. So
0: great story there. great story well yes. done you got there yes. in the I end fair play it. to you you can we thank the, bum- the, so so the Bumbleland's B- Ball
13: the so Bumble and Spall did it all for us. It did it absolutely wonderful for All
0: right, hang I mean, in there. Lovely fantastic. story. Thanks for that. Cheers. Take care. Thanks, Bye. Pamela. But i will get a fast one in here, hopefully, if I, if I rush along. Grace. Hi. Hope Hi. I have How time to do justice to this. So, 26 years ago, yourself and Mark, go ahead.
16: Yes. So, 26 years ago, myself and Mark and married 26 years ago. And uh, so, we, when we first met, we went off to, after a couple of months, we went to Kingsale for a night with our friends. Mm-hmm. So I was very innocent I suppose and I didn't drink. I was, we were not we were probably nineteen twenty. I didn't drink. So I was always ahead them, I thought I was there. So we decided we'd book into the night tonight and king sale, four of us.
0: You were well sussed so, You got a B and B and brought your sister's pajamas.
16: Yes. <laughs> I brought the sisters pajamas. so I wasn't, I asked the sister for a of her lovely satin pajamas. She said no. And I snuck it out of her room. <laughs> so off you I stole went them. anyway. So all I did, I stole them. They were probably only pennies though. <laughs> But they were gorgeous, lovely satin ones. So off we went down to Kingsale, we checked into our room, went for a few drinks that night, disco, came home and it was two single beds. I was happy out, me and, the, me and Mark. So I, my friend had said, no, you have to even sleep with you. And I was kind of gone. Oh, my father would kill me like, you know. And my poor father was dead. What business is it of Horace telling
0: you what you should be doing?
16: <laughs> well, I was so afraid. So in the end, he slept next to me and I had warned him, you touch me now. I said, You're dead. <laughs> It So, of course, myself, I'm quite deaf. So I would sleep through an earthquake. So woke up the following morning. There was no buttons left on the pajamas. God, they'd all falling out. Oh, the God. headboard had falling off at the back of the bed. What? What? Yes. That was a single bed. So I had to go out. I had said to him, "I hope you didn't touch me." He goes, "I wasn't near you. I swear." <laughs> So I had to ask the man who owned the B&B for loan to the needle and thread. He stitched the buttons back in, earned the pyjamas, put it back into my sister's room.
0: I'm assuming the pyjamas just didn't fit and you popped the buttons yourself.
16: I did fit. Was, it was actually loose to me because she was bigger than me. But so I obviously was a very restless sleeper. I probably just tossed him, so I was probably twisted and turning all night.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my so, God. But the rest so, is history. You married him. Oh,
16: the rest... Well I married him and it's funny we bought a house and about two years later he was told to his parents to tell him he had news and of course he was there the, mommy and daddy's baby at the time so the mother was having a heart attack Jim, Jim get out Mark has something to tell us and of course he dropped him and ran in and he looked at Mark and he says she's pregnant and Mark went no uh, oh Jesus and he says please don't tell her I said that she <laughs> never talked to me again
2: You're a <laughs> head right case actually, to know that
16: Eight years later, we had a baby. Like so, every 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 month we went over. Any news? Any news? So no, it was eight
0: years later we had our child. Yeah, 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 yeah. The longest maternity in the world in history longest ever. Longest
10: maternity. <laughs> eight, <laughs> years,
0: eight years in the womb, I love it. <laughs> eight <laughs> years, yes. Oh my God, Grace, thank you so much. Your story of Grace and Mark, Pamela's story of herself and a her partner. But I have to say, I think we're all in agreement that Laura's story, who met her husband at a car crash down Middleton Way and the rest was history. Great stories this morning, guys, but I can only have one winner. So well done, Laura. Congratulations. One night stay for two people with welcome drinks, breakfast, three-course dinner. Um, and you can also switch that for Sunday. Lunch and a private cinema screening with the sweet treats to go with it. All, of course, to celebrate Valentine's, It's kind of Valentine's weekend coming. And many people will be out and about doing their thing. So keep those texts coming. We'll pick up in the morning. Text 0868 You can also bang me off an email if you want. I didn't get to read many of the texts this morning, but I'll do that and lots more in the morning. Uh, so have a good day.